Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music biz number one supplier. Flyer than a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, Ho. Not DOC, but similar to them letters. No one could do it better. I check chatter like a food inspector. My homie Strick told me, dude, finish your breakfast. What's good, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours really, Jai Shields, here on this Friday, October the 13th, year 2023. Lots to do, lots to talk about here in this Football Friday program. Uh, we'll uh, present the eulogy for my 2023 Baltimore Orioles who went down and out with a whimper and a pathetic one. I get to them as the program progresses. Uh, the LA Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves decided to join the party as the, uh, as a hundred and uh, as a hundred plus win a division champion to go down in the opening round, uh, with little to no fight in embarrassing fashion, the American league and national league, championship series is set we'll get into that and preview that give you my predictions and thoughts heading into as we've come all the way down from uh from 12 teams down to four just like that which is why you gotta love the major league baseball postseason you're here one minute and gone the next down to the final four the two remaining teams in each league uh, as we in as we uh, begin the National League and American League Championship Series coming up within the next uh, forty eight hours plus or so, uh, also recap of the Braves and Phillies series, which was an electric series, albeit it only went four games, not the five. Of course, Week Six of the National Football League is upon us. We'll preview that uh, as the show progresses, and my and I'll present my Week Six uh, picks against the spread. And uh, quickly discuss um, the Thursday night game that was between the Denver Broncos and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Where we will begin is with my Baltimore Orioles. And there's really not much to say now than what I said on Tuesday heading into game three uh, earlier this week. Is that the Orioles were a complete disgrace. I mean, I don't know what it is, what more you want me to say. It's just, and nothing really changed, you know, in between game, nothing really changed between game two and game three. I mean, it was it. The Orioles showed up for exactly one game, and the again, they ended up losing, and that was it. They showed up one game, and that was it. Game two, they were a no-show. Game three, they were a complete no-show. They they shouldn't. They were so bad in both games that they didn't even. They shouldn't even bother just to waste my time, your time, or their time in showing up to the ballpark because they were that bad and that inept. I mean, they were be- they were better off just sitting in a hotel and in game two sitting at home and not even showing up. They were that embarrassingly bad, and and it's the and it was the uh, it's it's the same. Same reasons why you know. Same reasons why they lost game three. It's the same reasons why they lost. Um, uh, why why they lost games one and two. The fact that they could not hit with runners in scoring position. I mean, in runners in scoring position, they were three for seventeen heading into game heading into game three on Tuesday night. On Tuesday night, they went one for two. So they went four for nineteen with runners in scoring position. Do the math. Four going into nineteen. You come out with a batting average of 210, 
when for the regular season they were one among the American League among the American League and among baseball's best with a batting average of 288 for it to fall flat on their faces for them to fall flat on their faces for the numbers to fall flat on its face go from 288 to 210 in the matter of three games I mean that that, that, that that's horrendous horrendous baseball they went three for, they went four for 19 with runners in scoring position and they left uh and they left 21 guys on base. I mean, so you go four for 19 with runners of scoring position and you leave 21 guys on base. I mean, that is a, you know what that is? They, the Orioles might as well, might as well went on to either Expedia or Booking.com, which in case you didn't realize is the presenting sponsor of the American League and National League Division Series, which they must have advertised about 30,000 times, not just during the broadcast, but all over the field. It's Booking.com here, Booking.com there. I mean, I'm in the ballpark for game one on Saturday afternoon, and I'm watching commercials on the scoreboard. I mean, really, this, this is what it's come to now. We're now airing commercials and subjecting the fans to the commercials who are in the building. We we went to the game so we could avoid watching the, the two hours and 30 minutes worth of commercials. Now you're airing the commercials on the big board in between innings. But anyway, they might as well have gone to on to Expedia.com or, or uh, Trivago or Booking.com and and in the search bar when they type in you know the the where to on your on your upcoming travel destination they put in yeah one way ticket to Cancun and the website should have popped up as a result oh did you go oh did you have a piss poor batting average with runs in scoring position and left more than a dozen guys on base in the series is 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 that why you're typing in booking the one way ticket to Cancun because literally that that's what it was piss Poor and the same thing with the Braves, same thing with the Dodgers. Piss poor hitting with runners in scoring position gets you beat every single time. You leave runners on base in the month of October. It is uh, that is a quick one-way ticket to Cancun into a long ass offseason. Every single time. Every single time. And the Orioles, four for 19, and they left again. 21 runners on base in three games. Four for 19 with the runners in score position and 21 runners on and 21 left on base. That for a team that hit 288 and was talked about as one of the more grittiest, guttiest offenses and resourceful offenses in all of baseball in the regular season, hitting 210 and leaving 21 guys on base, that is completely, completely unacceptable and you know and, and i understand young team is that in third but i mean outside of gunner henderson uh jorge mateo and aaron hicks did anybody get a bit and and uh and brian mountcastle and uh and um anthony santander and gave one did anyone get a hit in this series uh, you guys know how much i love and adore adley rutschman did he did, did he get a hit i must have missed it did he get a big hit? I think he got one hit in the entire series. One. One. He went 0 for 4 in game three. I mean, for I understand young. I understand. Young, 
first postseason series. But damn, that and, and and all and us Orioles fans, you know, puffed out, puffed out our chests and was and 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 had such a lot of bravado and spoke with a lot of pride. Yeah, John Heim's nice, but he's no Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman, nine times out of ten, every single day of the week, twice on Sunday, Adley Rutschman trumps Jonah Heim. We stood on our soapbox and we said Adley is better than Jonah. Adley's better than Jonah. Adley's better than Jonah. And then Adley repays us fans back that were that was on our soapbox either in person or on Twitter was on our soapbox thumping and riding the Adley Rutschman train and was the conductor of the Adley Rutschman train and the leader of the Adley Rutschman is better than Jonah Heim bandwagon and he repays his back with a god-awful series where he couldn't hit and he couldn't get his bat off his shoulders again you guys know how much I love Adley but a 083 batting average that that's not championship baseball Ryan Mountcastle got the one big hit in game one, disappeared. Ryan O'Hearn missed the clutch, uh, you know, who essentially has been, we thought was booked out throughout the entire regular season. October hits him upside the head and he rewards us with a 200 batting average. I mean, give me a, give me a break, please. Cedric Mullins, another one who, listen, I understand this might be considered blasphemy, for us, for some Oreo fans out there, but literally, you gotta have the tough conversation. I'm at the point where I don't care. You got your your farm system is packed to the brim with outfielders. Okay, the one good season doesn't necessarily guarantee an outfield of Hicks, Mullins, and Santander for 2024 and beyond. All right, if you if you're at, you if you are at the point and the Orioles at the point, they gotta look themselves in the mirror and they gotta say, look. In order for us to be to be a better, more more well-rounded baseball team for twenty twenty four and beyond, do we we may have to look into moving either Hayes or Mullins. And the way Mullins hit in this series, he's making it very easy for the front office to decide whether or not to either let Mullins walk when it comes time for him to reach for agency, or get rid of him in a trade for a third or fourth starter or some big name reliever out of the bullpen. For you know, it's going to be under team control for the next three, three to three to five seasons, because he was atrocious, uh, atrocious. Not only this season, I understand it two groin injuries. I understand all that, but then, but jeez, Cedric Mullins, a guy that was supposed to carry the. Now I understand Adam Jones wasn't exactly you know, uh, wasn't um, wasn't uh, uh, Eddie Murray or Al Bummery in a postseason series in, in the postseason either. But he's guys supposed to carry the torch from Adam Jones, you know, to be the anchor of the Orioles outfield. And he fell not only flat on his face in the postseason. Again, I say it one more time. The time that he gets a big hit, you know, at post that tremendous series that he had in Seattle will be his first. He had a feeble 233 batting average in the regular season. He went 0 4. He went up. He went. He went zero for twelve. Twelfth postseason at bats in those three games. He didn't get a single hit. That is that is twelve up, zero down. Or excuse me, zero up and twelve down. I should say. I had it backwards. Zero for twelve in this series. And his last seven games, he regular season included, he finished with a batting average of one hundred five. His on-base percentage was 150. His slugging percentage was 158. He struck out seven times. You want to do the last 15 games, they're even just as gnarly. 18 strikeouts. 
Buck 20 batting average, 118, or excuse me, 167 on base percentage, slugging percentage of 220. He was not bad. He was disgusting at the plate to close out the season. Disgusting. He had a subpar year offensively at the plate. To close out the regular season, he was awful. And in the postseason, in this series against Texas, he was he was even worse. Can he get a big hit? Frazier, I swear to God, if I got to see Adam Frazier one more time in a big spot, I, I, I'm, I'm going to yell at Brandon Hyde personally myself. I mean, the and, and this is where Brandon Hyde, for his genius and the work that he did in the 162, where he's got to face some criticism here in October. Okay, this is a... I, I understand 100 wins. I get it. 100 wins, division champion, whole enchilada. But, Chase, we are at the end of the day a young team. This is what this isn't the Buck show all the years where we were, you know, put together with journeymen, with veteran journeyman players, a couple of nice, you know, young, talented prospects a la Manny Machado. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and we and we ham and egged ourselves to winning over 90 games in the division. It was kind of like a, you know, a who's we, like the Mets to a certain degree, you know, put together with a bunch of with a with a, with a few young phenoms, some veterans and a bunch of some some uh, career, some career long Oriole players and a bunch of role players from other teams. This is not this is not this team. Now, have we had contributors from other teams, a la the Ryan O'Hearns of the world and the Kyle Gibsons? Yes, but 90% of this roster is a bunch of young guys that, that are going to be here to stay for, for, for a good while, a, 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 and that are young guys, that are, that are young whippersnappers at the major league level. Not, you know, career guys in Adam Frazier that can't hit his way out of a paper bag. I mean, Adam Frazier in the postseason, that's including his numbers with Seattle last year, obviously, when he and his team couldn't hit, and then this year against Texas. A career 179 batting average in the postseason. In this series, he got five at-bats. He was 0 for 5 in every single last one of them. You want me to read his numbers the last 7, 15 games to close out the season? I'll be very happy to do so. He hit 143, had an on-base percentage of 250 with a second percentage of 214, struck out five struck out five times, zero home runs, zero RBIs in his final seven games. His final 15 games, he had a grand total of three RBIs, struck out a dozen times, hit 158, on base percentage to 256, slugging percentage to 211. And Brandon Hyde, for some inexplicable, ungodly, unfathomable reason, decided to hit him ninth in a in a in a in, a, in an elimination game on the road against the Texas Rangers. I mean, stuff like that is where Brandon Hyde has to look himself in the mirror in a long off season and say, How can I put my team in a in the and set them up to to put them in the in a in the best position to win baseball games, not just in May, in June, July, in August against the against the Oakland A's, which nobody cares. October, how can I put my team in the best position to win? Yes, the Orioles were compromised in the fact that their pitching was not as good as the Rangers' starting pitching, and that they lacked postseason experience in the starting pitching department. Position players outside of Aaron Hicks and uh, and Frazier, who stinks, 
they, they lacked it. I understand all that. And Bochy's more experienced manager, not his first rodeo with this. It is with Texas, obviously, but his career, not his first rodeo with, coach, with managing in a postseason, whether it's his turn with the Padres in the late 90s or with the Giants in, her, in the early to mid-2010s. I understand all that. But still, 101 wins, home fit advantage, the bye, division champions. You find a way to get to the world Series. I don't care who you're playing. I'm not interested. 101 wins. Find a way to get to the World Series. And the fact that this team didn't, didn't even win a game, is a complete and utter disgusting, feeble atrocity of an embarrassment of a performance. An embarrassing, feeble, pathetic performance. For my Baltimore Orioles. They had a great April through September. Once October came, it was disgusting. Their effort, their performance, their lack of a pulse, their lack of a will to win, the lack of heart. I mean, disgusting. Disgusting. The fantastic season and ride they gave us. From March 30th in Fenway Park on a Thursday afternoon to September 30th when they won their, ended up being their final game of the entire season against Boston that Saturday night. From then to then, fantastic ride. Great. Phenomenal season. But for the, but for them to reward this fan base, a fan base that has not seen this team playing a postseason prior to this year since 2016, a team that has not seen their team uh, play in a home playoff game since game two of the 2014 ALCS prior to game one last Saturday, a fan base that has still not seen a team win a playoff game since game three of the 2014 ALDS against Detroit and has not seen them win a home playoff game since game two of the 14 ALDS against Detroit. Do you know that the Orioles have the longest active playoff losing streak in the sport? Did you know that the longest active playoff losing streak, it went from the Twins to the Orioles at the snap of a finger. They've lost eight consecutive playoff games. They lost all four to Kansas City. They lost the 16 games to Toronto. They lost the three games to the Rangers. They've lost eight consecutive Playoff games. They've lost four consecutive playoff games at home. They've been swept in back-to-back playoff series that they've been in. And their repayment to us as a fan base was that horse was was, was that manure that they produced and subjected us to all over Oregon Park and Camden Yards, a, f- a ballpark that's 31 years old that still has not seen and hosted a World Series game yet, Th- that's what they reward us with. With that garbage, with 4 for 19 with runs in scoring position, with leaving 21 guys on base, with being w- with being outscored in this series, seven runs in game three, uh, 11 runs in game, uh, in game two, that's 18, with... Three runs in game one on Saturday, being outscored 21 
Orioles score two, then eight, that's 10, plus one. Being outscored 21 to 11, leaving 21 runners on base, going four for 19 with runs to scoring position. That's what they reward us with. When we sacrificed our money, our time, our energy, and God knows whatever else to either make the trip to the ballpark to watch this team play throughout the spring and summer, to watch them play on television, listen to them on the radio, passing up opportunities to hang out with family, go to events, a, a, a laundry list of things we could have been doing outside of dedicating our time and attention to watching this team play, and they repay us in the month of October with being a complete no-show against the Texas Rangers, a team that couldn't get out of its own way in September. Their bullpen that was that was walking batting practice machines, giving up hits and home runs left and right, uh, at home, on the road, on Mars, wherever, you name it, uh, a, a team that blew a division lead, blew a division lead, And a team that you split the season series with 3-3 down the middle. And you couldn't get off the deck and put up a fight against the Texas Rangers. Every single last one of them. I understand Elias took responsibility when he met with the media yesterday. And Hyde made sure to tell us that he was, that he was still pissed off. And that he was annoyed at the fact that the team got swept. I understand all that and it's all fine and dandy. But the time that Brandon Hyde should have been pissed off was when he decided to bring in Brian Baker to get the top of the third inning <laughs> to allow him to walk the ballpark to allow Garvin to hit the grand slam, which essentially was the coup de grace to the, to the Orioles season. That's when he should have been pissed off. Should have been pissed off before he decided to bring that bum of a, of a relief pitcher, Brian Baker, in in the top of the third inning. That's when he should have been pissed off. Elias should have been saying, hey, point the finger at me. The buck stops with me. I failed this team. I failed this roster when he decided to trade for Jack Flaherty and Shantaro Fujinami, who, again, one more time, didn't even make the postseason roster. So the time for your anger and your regret should have been in the moment when you had an opportunity to prevent this humiliation, and you did nothing to do so, or if you did something, you amplified the problem instead of minimalizing it. Again, hitting with throwing scores isn't pathetic. High got out managed by Bochi in circles. His offseason missteps, you know, not get not again, Kyle Gibson is not going to get you to the World Series. If he's your lone veteran starting pitch with postseason experience, he ain't going to get the job done for you. And in the irony of me saying this, he you probably might have been better off starting him in game three instead of sending poor D Dean Kramer out there to the Wolves, his first ever rodeo at this, with his, knowing that his team season's hanging in the balance, and then in the back of his mind, he's got to... He, he's, he's, He's got to somehow process the fact that he's got extended family over there in Israel that's fighting for their lives because those jerks in Palestine decided that they randomly that they wanted to blow him up over a fight between the two countries that goes back to the biblical days. But that's a separate conversation for a different day. 
He throws Dean Kramer in the. I understand Dean Kramer wanted to pitch, so I'm not. What is what's, what's Hyde gonna? What's, what does Hyde want him to do? You know, say Dean, I'm sorry. I understand you want to pitch, but you got a lot going on on your within and on your mind right now, so you can't. He can't say that. So I'm not getting on him from that aspect, and I'm sure it's not picking on Dean Kramer. Moment's too big for him, but again, he was put. He was thrown to a tough spot. That should have been the game that John Means was supposed to pitch. Dean was supposed to get a game four. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be. Uh, it was supposed to be Bradish, Grayson, Means, Kramer. Then game five, go to Bradish again. He was supposed to get game four, either up, either either up uh, two one, or down two one. He wasn't supposed to get game. He wasn't supposed to get game three. First road game of the series for us, facing elimination. On top of the fact that he that his you know he's pitching essentially with a heavy heart because he's got family friends and extended family members fighting for their lives with the, with the conflict in Israel. But again, Dean Kramer done Dean Kramer doesn't get put into that position. Brandon Hyde doesn't essentially have to be put back into a corner where he has to make that decision if Elias would have gotten off his ass in the quote-unquote lift-off offseason last year and would have went out there and got it some res- and got a respectable starting pitcher or two outside of Kyle Gibson, whose ERA looked like looks like a valedictorian's GPA. Who didn't get a who didn't get the ball. In a, to, 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 for a start in this series. And then a trade deadline. Again, you could have had Verlander and you got us Jack Flaherty. Are we kidding ourselves here? Shantara Fujinami, a Oakland A reject who, who was shaped, who can't throw strikes most of the time and when he goes up against Astro hitting God help us because now because he can't find the strike zone and when he does he serves up meatballs who again was so bad they couldn't even put him on the postseason roster and that's what Michael Elias got for us and then to amplify the problem I got Brandon Hyde putting Brian Baker in top of the third inning and he takes out the the starter that put together the best outing of the series in Bradish. He I forgot to bring this up on Tuesday. He yanks him out after four and a third. He had one lousy bat in, and game wasn't completely out of reach. Wasn't out of reach, period. And he yanks him out through four and a third. And he goes to his bullpen, and he got to basically have the bullpen game to and, and puts himself and the team in a position where they're screwed the remainder of the series. Bullpen taxed. Tired, worn out, and exposed in games two and three, and you see what the hell happened. And I don't want to hear anybody using a bye week as an excuse. Bye week's not an excuse. Okay? The Astros had the two seed, won the division. They were able to win their playoff series and get to the ALCS. Why not the Orioles? Outside of the obvious of experience and being the defending champs, the layoff, the layoff in the five six days off didn't seem to didn't seem to bother uh, Houston, and the Orioles were a better team in a regular season than the Astros were. 
They hell, they went down. They went down there the the week after they beat. They went through that gauntlet of a four game series against Tampa to clinch a playoff spot and to clinch the tiebreaker. They went down there and punched the Astros in the mouth and took two or three from them. So they, like the Rangers, they split the season series with Houston and won two or three most recently in the back end of the season in late September. And they won 101 games and won their division outright. Instead of Houston that had to fumble and finagle their way to a division title and won it via tiebreaker. Because the team was fought around in September losing, losing home games to the likes of the Yankees, Royals, and the Oakland A's. When they got two teams in Texas and Seattle chasing them for the division title and the two seed. So what so it, it so the left didn't seem to bother the Astros and they got the job done. So I don't want to hear any excuse what well, the left screwed them. No, it didn't. Left did not screw the team over. If Grayson and the bullpen bothered to get some outs. Instead of walking the ballpark and serving up batting practice and pitching like they're in the home run derby, and the team got the bat off their shoulders and got some hits with turns to scoring position, you know what? Maybe we'll be playing at bare minimum tonight for a game five. The layoff didn't screw the team over. The team screwed the team over. They beat themselves. Piss poor hitting with turns to scoring position. The bullpen was a sieve. The starting pitching was atrocious. Hyde got outmanaged. You know what they say in football? They got beaten all three phases. Baseball, they got beaten all three, four phases. They got outmanaged. They got outhit. They got outbullpened. They got outstarting pitched. The Orioles did nothing right in this series. Nothing right. And I, again, hate to say it, the moment's too big for them. And I don't want to hear the excuse with the with the the only time where the experience really looted Paramount was that the merit was was in the managerial seat. Bochy versus Hyde. That was it. I understand the Rangers, their their uh players with postseason experience are better players than the Orioles have. You know, uh Seeger is a better player than Hicks, and Simeon's a better player than Frazier. But well, like their roster was stacked one through twenty six with a bunch of guys that just got finished playing in the postseason. Rangers lost ninety plus games last year. So well, like you know, you they they you know ran into the Astros in the first round with a bunch of guys that's got championship pedigree. One player on that, well, two two players is on the team. The starter of Valdi with the Red Sox and Seager with the Dodgers. Outside of that, they got some players that's got that's got marginal postseason experience, but everyone else everyone else is just as young and inexperienced as the Orioles are, and they found a way to get the job done. Orioles couldn't. They got punched in the mouth with a right hand consecutively three games in a row, and the Orioles had no answers for it. None. They got Colcock with a right hand three consecutive games and not one time, not one time they get off the deck and deliver a, re a return right hand in response. Not one time. Not once. This, this team held a lead 
for exactly one half of an inning in this series. And that was the inning on Sunday when Aaron Hicks hit the two-run single. They held the lead one time in this series. One time, and that was for a half inning. They didn't hold the lead at no points in time in game one, and they held the lead at no points in time in game three on Tuesday. Orioles are the third team in the last 20 years to lead the Ameri- to have the best record in the American League and yet walk out of the postseason with their tail in between the legs with no playoff wins. That completely, completely unacceptable. And I tell you something right now. This team's got some soul searching to do. They've got some soul searching to do. Because now, in some people's eyes, you get a pass. Me, you don't get a pass. You don't, you don't win 100 games, win a toughest division on a baseball, and then collapse like a cheap 10 off the clearance rack and get a pass. Uh-uh. No, I didn't give the 2019 Ravens a pass. I ain't giving the Orioles a pass in 2023. Uh-uh. No. You went over 100 games, you win a division. I don't care if the 27 Yankees are in your division. You win a division, win over 100 games, lock up the one seed, home field advantage, best record in the American League, second best record in all of baseball. Gosh darn it, you win a playoff game. You win a playoff game, you win a first-round playoff series, and at the bare minimum, you make it to the World Series. I could care less this team won 83 games the year before and won 110 the year before that. I'm not interested. You don't get to play the nobody believes in us card, and then you exceed expectations, and then once you exceed expectations, you underperform the risen expectation, and then you get to call back and you look at and say, oh, well, well, we, we, we just, I mean, we two years ago, we only, we lost 110 games. Last year, we, we won 83, and this year, nobody expected us to make it. Nobody expected us to win over 100 games. Nobody expected us to win the division with a, with a little Baltimore Orioles. Take it easy on us. To hell with that. I'm not doing it. You win 100 games, win a division, you get to the World Series. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the Orioles, the Braves, or the Dodgers. You find a way to get to the World Series and at bare minimum make it out of the first round of the playoffs. And in the case of the Dodgers and the Orioles, win at least a flipping playoff game. So they don't get an excuse. They don't get an excuse. They don't get a pass. The Orioles, 101 wins, nothing to show for it. You blew it! You're damn right you blew it. You blew it. Big time. Big time. And this team's got some soul searching to do in the offseason. To put it, to put it, uh... Bluntly, they got some soul searching to do. Some soul searching to do. Because this team was dead on arrival in this series. D-O-A, dead on arrival.
Adley, Gunner had a good series, and and and, and you saw that the fire at least was was uh, ignited underneath him. But Adley, Hayes, Mullins, um, who else didn't hit? Uh, Mateo hit. So you get O'Hearn, Mountcastle, who disappeared after game one. All of you got some soul searching to do this offseason. So Hyde, too, because Hyde, you, you knew the weaknesses of your team, and rather than you going out of your way to hide them and play to your team's strengths, you exploited your team's weaknesses, and Texas took advantage. And that's the thing that really, really, really grinds my gears and pisses me off. Because a good manager, I don't care if you're as experienced going to all the famous Bruce Bochy, or if this is your first run at this, you know, if a la Tori Lovello, manager of the Diamondbacks. What makes a good manager and a good coach from a bad manager and a bad head coach is that they play to their team's strengths and they hide their team's weaknesses. And Brandon Hyde seemed like he went, he, he, every move he made turned to shit. And he played to his, t- and he exploited his team's weaknesses instead of playing to their strengths. And I understand Hicks is a veteran player, but again, hit and run ninth inning with Gunnar Henderson, who's not known as one of your elite base stealers on the team. I mean, unacceptable. He can get pissed off to the cows come home. Damn it, It was he's the manager. It was his decision. I don't give a damn if you got a shout from the top of your lungs to, to the point where it, does, where it doesn't even count as a surprise. I don't care if you really got to get on the top step or leave the dugout and yell at Hicks to tell him to swing to protect Gunner on, on the hit and run. Falls on him. He brings in, again, he lets Westberg get one at bat, and he takes him out in game one to bring in Jorge Mateo, who is only on the roster as a pinch runner in close games. And he takes him out in the middle of the game for an, for an inferior glove and an egregious bat with 50, with 50, 45% of the game still left to go in game one. And he puts dopes like Adam Frazier on the team when he knows that the future of his ball club is going to be Jordan. And it wasn't just in this series. It was all regular season long. They, I mean, I, they must have had Westbrook up on a major league roster to hold Hyde's clipboard, to to hold the iPad when the, when the batters finish coming in from there at bats to look at the film of their previous at bat, to look at the pitcher's, you know, tendencies on one and two counts. Either that, serving a Gatorade. I mean, they, they basically had him on the, on the roster to sit on the bench and collect dust. I mean, what is the point of bringing up your young guts that's going to be the future of the Baltimore? Orioles for if all they're going to do is ride the pine behind the inferior veteran and journeyman that you're going to keep on penciling in in the lineup on a consistent day in day out game in game out basis what, what what's the point so this, this loss better sit in this team long and hard long and hard and for a while a good while to the point where it burns and eats them up and keeps them up at night. Because for all that comes in the regular season, they were a complete no-show. Complete and utter no-show. 101 wins. You got to give me a better effort and put in, and, and, and put together better performances than what I saw the what I saw Saturday through Tuesday.
And if you're Mike Elias, you tell that old bastard of an owner, look, you got a team, or the cheap, I should say. You tell that cheap bastard, John Andrews, to say, look, we got a team. Even if you don't want to, you know, throw out big-time money contracts left and right for your core players, which I am in fear of and that I pray that doesn't happen. But listen, even if you want to basically sell the team off once they get at their highest value when it reaches free agency, you can at least say, a la Kansas City Royals, you can have an opportunity to compete in some World Series while they're here, while they're cheap, while they're under team control. You'd be a fool and an idiot not to not to open up your pocketbook because you can't afford it. You made a, sh- a shit ton of money with the TV postseason contracts, with the ballpark being sold out weekends ad infinitum, and with this and with the two games at home last weekend, you, you you've you made a freaking fortune this year. I don't need I don't need to be your accountant to I don't need to be the Angels family accountant to tell you that they that they made that they made some dough this year. They did. Quit being a cheap ass. Open up the checkbook and get and and and, and, ex, and up your payroll a little bit. Just because you got just because you won over 100 games with a with a with a with the lowest payroll in your division doesn't mean that it that it's that it's the that it's the way that it should be. That's that you should make it your your bread and butter your your uh, your permanent avenue for success because like you saw your cheapest payroll also was a complete no show when the games mattered the most in the postseason. And if you think and if you think the hundred and one win seasons winning your divisions matter, just go ask the Oakland A's of the early and mid two thousands if those years when they won over a hundred games and won their divisions. If 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 those teams matter, if they remember, if a if ask the fan base if you can find them, if they remember those teams, if they love those teams, and if they hold those teams, you know, warm and close to their heart. Because nobody, and I mean nobody, in especially twenty something years later, nobody cares about the Oakland A's and their hundred win seasons when all they did was fizzle out in the first round of the playoffs. So winning 100 games is all fine and dandy if and only if you do something with them. You know, the 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 Orioles teams of the 70s, and I can rehash uh, them for you year by year if you wish, the Orioles teams of the 70s that won over 100 games gets remembered and gets revered and gets talked about the way that they do because they because they made it deep into the postseason. Now I understand in the 70s they had uh, two less uh, playoff rounds than they do here in 20 in 2023 Major League Baseball, but you get the idea. The reason why those teams get revered, they get talked about the 69 team, the 70 team, the 71 team, the 79 team. The reason why those teams get talked about because they made it to the World Series. The 70 team won it, the 69 to 71 team, uh, the 69 to 71 team made it, and the 79 team made it. The Orioles this year are more or less in a conversation of a 1980 Orioles team that went 162 and didn't make the playoffs. Now, this team did make the playoffs, and they came in first, which is an accomplishment, but at the same time, you win 101 one more time, you make the World Series. Case closed, period on the story, no excuses, no uh, no excuses, no, oh, well, it was a fine thing. And that's uh, stuff that if I can critique my fellow Berlin brethren for, something that I've heard from quite a few people over the last few days that's really annoyed me. The idea always oh, a great, you know, throwing bouquets at this team. 
the time to throw the bouquets at this team is when spring training opens up in February on March 28th, 2024 on opening day before they jog down the, the orange carpet on opening day uh, f- prior, to, to be, prior to the beginning of next season. That's when you throw the bouquets at the team. When they play the when they unveil the division banner and they play the highlight film and they play the highlights of this season, that's what that, you go down to spring training in the middle of March and you reminisce. That's when that's when you throw the bouquets. The time to throw the bouquets at this team is not was is, was not Tuesday night, not Wednesday, not Thursday, not today, not Saturday, not Sunday, not next week, not the week after that, not in no not November, not Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Christmas. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not the time. Because this season, because, and, and part of the reason why, well, Jai, you, you're so harsh on them. Well, when you have the dud of a postseason appearance that this team had, I mean, what are you supposed to say? I mean, that would be like the Kansas City Chiefs uh, going, you know, 16, what are they, 5-1? and That would be like the Kansas City Chiefs going 16-1 and this year. And or yeah, they're, yeah, they're five and one. That'd be like Kansas. That'd be like the Kansas City Chiefs going sixteen and one this year. They host the first round playoff game to say the the Miami Dolphins, and they get blown out the and they get ran out the building. You know, 50, 50 to fifty to seventeen. I mean, there'd be no Chief fan that'd be throwing bouquets at Kansas City because they lost one game in the entire regular season. Had the best uh, record with they won a division. The best record in the AFC, best record in all, and second best, third best record in all of, in all of football. And they and they and they fall flat on their face at home in a first round playoff series, coming off a bye. Coming off of a team that that you know record wise is inferior to them, becomes a you the chief fan wouldn't want to hear it. Wouldn't want to hear it, and that and that's the and that's the same for the San Francisco Giant fan. You know they have a they have a they go on and have a tremendous regular season and go sixteen and one and host the and host the first round playoff game and lose to the uh, you know and lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers somehow in the first round. I mean the the the, the 49er fan will be beside themselves. Now I understand different premise. Those are two teams that have played in and in the Chiefs' case have won two Super Bowls. But you get the idea. If the D- if the Detroit Lions somehow came out of nowhere and locked up a home field advantage in the NFC, and they in their first in their first round playoff game divisional weekend was against you know was against the uh, was against the Saints, the Bucks, or the Dallas Cowboys, and they go in there and they lose the game forty two to ten, that would not be looked at in the Lions fans' eyes as as at least at that moment as a great season. Yeah, it was a great regular season, and playoffs showed up, and then they forgot how to play football. Same premise here. They had a great season, April to September, and then when the lights shine the brightest, it, it, like I put, I tweeted out those memes on my social media accounts for a reason. Like the lights were too bright for them. It was all fine and dandy, you know, April to September, and then once the lights got a little brighter in October, uh, the team fell apart. Which I understand, young team, but when we went again, 101 games, as much as given, much as required, with great power comes great responsibility. I don't subscribe to the idea that well it, it was they they were just happy to be here. Oh, they're a young team. Oh, no, nobody expected us to, you know, to be a World Series contender with spring training open. Bullcrap! You ended up becoming a World Series contender as the season went along. You think the 2021 Bengals 
some some people did, some people. But did you think that all the entire Cincinnati Bengals organization thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl in 2021? No. Did they expect them to be better, competitive, possibly be an outside playoff team? Yes. But you know what happened? They were like, oh, wow, we're good. We won the division. Oh, wow, we're good. We're in the playoffs. Oh, wow, we're good. What's the point of, like I said with the with the whole uh, Trent Dilfer analogy, what's the point of being in the playoffs if your goal in the end is not to win a championship? Because if it isn't, why 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 bother showing up? Because what the Orioles did, the Orioles were that person. They were that outside person that has a a um a uh, a finite chance of getting invited to some A-list, cream-of-the-crop, top-tier, exclusive celebrity party where every A-list celebrity and every uh, professional athlete, past and present, with any notoriety and success to their name is at. The Michael Jordans of the world, the Bradys, the LeBrons, the, uh, the, the Lionel Messis, the Cristiano Ronaldos of the world, the the um the, the Shohei Otani's of the world are at the party. All of the all of Hollywood's greatest actors on the greatest actors and movie stars, the Brad Pitts, the Margot Robbie's, the the Leonardo DiCaprio's, the Denzel Washingtons, the Spike Lees of the world. And your impression is, wow, I got invited to this party. I don't know what I did. You know, throughout my life, I I I hustle. I grunt. I you know. I let's say for a perfect example. You know, my I'm trying to make it. You know, in, in television as a as a TV personality or a comedian, whatever. And it's like, wow, I, I I've I've worked my ass off. I've 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 grind. I've busted my balls. And and look at me. I am I am honored and blessed with the opportunity to be at this party with these with these celebrities that I only, that I only dreamed of meeting and acquainting myself with one day. You get invited to the party. Now, the one that it, the, the one that asserts himself, the one that acts like that they belong, the one that that uh that ha- that has to go about it within them, for lack of a better phrase, says, "You know what? I'm going to go in there. I'm going to have the time of my life." I'm going to assert myself amongst the people here at the party. I am going to shake every hand. I am going to take every picture. I'm going to have as my uh, all the. I'm going to have as many conversations with as many people as I possibly can. I'm gonna chop it up. I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna dance. I'm gonna crack jokes. And there's a couple of ladies that I'm inter- that I'm interested in rendezvousing with at the end of the night. Uh, I'm going to make sure I get their phone number or their Instagram handle. And they go out there, they assert themselves, and they walk out of there at the end of the night with Michael Jordan's autograph, uh, a photo, and a, and a memory of a cool conversation with Tom Brady. They uh, they they got they got to uh, shake the hand of uh, Al Pacino or uh, or Brad Pitt. And then, and then also they got, they got a phone, they got a phone number in their contacts and they got a, and they got a woman that's hopping into the same limo or, or, uh, ultra Uber with them at the end of the night, leaving the party venue. Either go to some after party or hotel, B&B, condominium, you name it. But the Orioles, they were the stooge 
They got to the party. Great resume. Deserved to be there. But once they got there, they realized or something within them said, you, you, it's just too big for you. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't deserve to be there. And rather than them pushing those thoughts aside and saying, no, damn it, I do deserve to be there and going out there and moving heaven, heaven and earth to prove otherwise, they instead, they got their food, got their drink, a little cocktail, bottle of water, uh, you know, uh, rum and Coke, whatever, got their food, found an empty seat, sat in the corner, and put their either their head in their plate of food or kept their hand, head in their phone for the entire five, six hours. Then instant then uh, strike up not one conversation, didn't uh then take one photo, didn't then dance to one song, then didn't crack it, then uh then uh break any ice with any people they didn't know. Nothing. They just get got they they got there. Were content with where they are, got sat in the corner in a fetal position, and was and just stayed to themselves for the entire four or six hours. That's what the Orioles were. They got invited to the A-list ultra exclusive celebrity party, and rather than them take make rather than rather rather them making it their business to assert themselves with with the people amongst the dance, quote unquote, so to speak. They decided they were content. Little old me, don't mind me. Got their food, got into the fetal position, and stayed in the corner until the party was over. And either they walked out of that party with, with, with getting nothing out of it, or somebody walked around and said, "Hey, you, yeah, you, you're not doing anything. You ain't worth, you ain't worth shit. Get the hell out of here." Harsh reality. Harsh analogy, but those are the facts. And again, enough of your damn pocketbook, Angelos. Open up the pocketbook, you cheap bastard, and go out there and build some payroll. Allow Elias to make some trades and to make some free agency signings to get some veteran dogs in here that know how to play, that know how to pitch, that know how to perform in the postseason. Because Kyle Gibson and Aaron Hicks, along with Adam Frazier, did not cut it this year. And I don't mean getting 2023 versions of Hicks, Frazier, and uh, of Hicks, Frazier, and James McCann. No. Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, among others, are available in free agency. Make a sales pitch to him. Because even if, and God forbid if this ends up as fact, but even if this this group is together for a small window of opportunity or else they become Tampa Bay Rays, well, they'll cycle them in, in and out, in and out, in and out. Even if that is the case, at least the Kansas City Royals can sit back and say, well, hey, we had these guys for a short window of opportunity, but we got the best out of them here, and they got us to two consecutive World Series. Uh, World, they got us to two consecutive World Series, and they won one here. Won divisions, won playoff games, won playoff series. The 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 Royals, as tough as it is for them now, can still put their head at night. The Royals fans, when they turn on the postseason, when they turn on playoff games, well, they can say they can recall the good old days of the fourteen fifteen Kansas City Royals and say it was it didn't last for very long, but when it did, it was a glorious time. 
And they have the fan base has no regrets. The front office and ownership have no regrets. Um, Ned Yost, the former manager, doesn't have any regrets. You don't want to have, especially if you're a mid to small market team like this, you don't want to have this window of opportunity to go by and have a and and live with regret, because the previous, you know, the the, the Duquette Showalter Orioles and the and the fans that that remember, like myself, that remember those teams, live with enough regret regarding those regarding those years from 2012 to 2018. And it still pains me seeing Manny Machado in a San Diego Padres uniform. So the team's got some soul searching to do. Some serious soul searching. Find a way to make sure that if you're in this that you that if you're in this position again next year or the year after that that you leave nothing on the table. At least at bare minimum, find your way to win a first-round playoff series. I mean, goodness gracious. Fortina won 101 wins that, that went the entire regular season without getting swept, only for them to get swept when the series when in, in the series that absolutely mattered the most. I mean, that, so, I mean, come on. I mean, for those of you that, that want to give the Orioles a pass, you got to admit, that's that's kind of pathetic. Is it not? To not get swept and and win a series when you won 101 games with the entire regular season without getting swept and winning is that too much to ask? Now, these are professionals at the end of the day. Is it that is it that too much to ask? The poll question for this episode: Will the Baltimore Orioles ever win a World Series championship in my lifetime? I thought they were going to do it this year, 40 year anniversary of the '83 championship, the last championship in Orioles franchise history. Only the fourth time in my lifetime the Orioles have made it to the postseason and every single appearance has ended in heartbreak for me. Will I ever see my see my beloved favorite baseball team win a championship in my life? Answer the poll question exclusively on the Amatelakitia's podcast channel page on Spotify. But the Orioles done for the season. So thus, a new tradition that we've begun, the Amatelakitia's podcast, uh, a salute to the 2023 Cincinnati, or excuse me, God, forgive me, please, no. A salute to the 2023 Baltimore Orioles. A salute to the 2023 Baltimore Orioles. Speaking of another team in baseball that collapsed under the postseason pressure, the L.A. Dodgers. Um, boy, I mean, first off, and I told you guys this back back during the regular season, the Dodgers lineup was not that good. I, I, I and I got Dodgers fans coming up to me. Oh my God, you can't. You, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Max Muncy, oh, look at his OPS number. I'm like, yeah, Max Muncy, his OPS numbers are great, but his batting average is in the toilet. And outside of and the, really the two guys that you can count on to hit over 300, I mean, consistently is Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And I said, and I got just lambasted by all of the Dodger fan groupies and all of the, you know, when the, all of the Dodger apologists back when they played the Orioles back in the summertime. I'm like, guys, this lineup, it's a good team, but the lineup is not as good as everybody thinks it is. 
uh, and lo and behold, you know, I was proven correct in this series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Did you know that Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman in this series were combined? Combined. One for 21, zero extra base hits, four strikeouts, walked three times. And did you know, with the Orioles and the Dodgers both getting swept in the same round, the first time that multiple 100-win teams were swept in a single postseason, it's the first time it's ever happened in the history of the sport. The Dodgers have 317 regular season wins in the last three seasons and zero World Series appearances. That is the most wins by a team in a three-season span in which they did not win the World Series. They had 16 more wins than the Diamondbacks and lost the series. In each of the last three postseasons, they've lost to an opponent that had fifth they have lost to an opponent that had 15 less wins than, uh, than the Dodgers did in a regular season. There had only been three prior instances of a team losing a playoff round in which uh, in which they, as my uh, computer uh, lags, yes, open it up, pull up the damn tweet. Thank you very much. There had only been three other instances of a team losing a playoff round in which they had at least 15 more wins than their opponent. I mean, and we've gotten on the Dodgers many a times in the history of this show. I mean, that's just, and how about the starters? And this is, now listen, Dave Roberts, it's not going to, look well on his record because in all the other times where the Dodgers did have flawless rosters, he, you know, Dave Roberts did everything in his power to basically manage his team out of a championship. But I, you know, and I thought, you know, during this series, like, man, Dave Roberts are at it again. And then I look at this roster and I think about it and I look up and down the lineup. I look at the box score. I watch them, you know, throughout this series, you know, throughout the final few games against the, or excuse me, game three against, uh, against the Diamondbacks. And I say to myself, this team is not that good. This team, this team, this team is not that. This team is not that good. This team stinks. We get what is the L.A. Dodgers with more money with more money they can shake a stick at, and this is their starting rotation. I mean, this starting rotation makes the Orioles' starting rotation out to be the uh, the '74 version with uh, Cuellar and McNally and and uh, and and Palmer and that in that fantastic twenty uh, that fantastic rotation where all four guys uh, won over twenty games in 19, in that nineteen seventy four season. If I if I uh, have my mem- if my memory serves me correct, this lineup stinks. Lineup is awful. I mean, take a look at these. I mean, this is these are the L.A. Dodgers now. They're, these they are not the the A's or the or, or the or the Rays or the Orioles got a nickel and dime the way to put together a, a decent ball club. I mean, they have they have David Peralta, Kike Hernandez, uh, Rojas, the shortstop, uh, Jason Hay. I mean, why in the world is Jason Hayward? With all due respect to Jason Hayward, why in the world is he still in the major leagues? As a starting as a starting outfielder in 2023, I mean, he he had one nice little Cinderella story, I guess, where he gave the little motivational speech during the rain delay at Game Seven of the World Series. Outside of that, what in the world has has Hayward done? He was not a very good St. Louis Cardinal. He was an awful Chicago Cub. I mean, I mean the, I mean, who remembers his tenure at the beginning of the, of his career when he was on the Braves and the Braves stunk. Back in the Braves uh, stunk and were a uh, and were always on the outside looking in come playoff time. I mean, come on, 
in 2023 and and Jason Hayward's your starting right fielder. I mean, my goodness gracious. He, he I mean, look, read, listen, and look and read his numbers. He had seven at bats in this series. Went over. Didn't get a single hit in the in this entire series. He's got 135 career postseason at bats. He's a 148 postseason hitter with two home runs, seven RBIs, four stolen bases, an OPS of 444. I mean, he's I mean he is a decent 258 career regular season hitter. In his last seven games, he hit 214, struck out five times, only mustered up six hits and 28 at bats. I mean, come on now, J- Jason Hayward now. Jason Hayward and Peralta, the David Peralta, the left. I mean, come on. These, these, these are the Dodgers. These are the Dodgers. And again, like I've said all season long, say it again, very top heavy lineup. The bulk and the beast of their lineup is Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, JD Martinez, Max Muncy. Once you get through them, you know, and you can keep, and you can keep their bats at bay. It's very easy to shut down the LA Dodger the LA Dodger offense. Very easy. And the and the Diamondbacks ended up learning that because the because the Dodgers couldn't muster up any runs and they swept them in three consecutive games. I mean, you look su- Sunday or excuse me, Saturday uh, excuse me, Saturday night yeah, blown out eleven to two because Kershaw can't pitch in the postseason, as we discussed. They scored two runs in game one. They scored two runs in game two. That's four. And then on Wednesday, and then on Wednesday night, they scored. I mean, they scored two, two, four, six. They scored six runs in this series and got outscored. The Diamondbacks had four in game th- in game three. They had four in game two, so that's eight. And then eight plus the eleven, they got outscored nineteen. To they got outscored nineteen to nineteen to six in this series, two four six. They got outscored nineteen to six in this series, nineteen to six. So as much as I'd love to get on Dave Roberts, what's he supposed to do? He's got a lineup. He's got a but the bottom tier of his lineup, uh, five through nine on some nights, six through nine on the other nights is up. You know, are a bunch of automatic outs, and and the starting rotation was was, was garbage. They had no Walker Bueller this season. Urias decided to be decided to be a, uh, a a a complete you know human a complete human trash can and get himself in trouble with domestic violence. And then Kershaw's a hundred years old. I mean, Lance Lynn, really? So I can't get on Dave Roberts. His team, his team was awful. I mean, outside of literally Freddie Freeman. Uh, Freddie Freeman, J.D. Martinez, and Mookie Betts. I mean, they make the or they make this year's Orioles team look like the '66 Orioles. Team's not that good, and they won 100 games. Because keep in mind, and people also have to rest with the balance schedule. The balance, and I'm this is no complaint against the balance schedule. I'm just saying, balance schedule means everybody plays each other. That means that the teams and the opposite leagues get to play the trash of the opposite leagues. Which means that you know the Dodgers get to beat up on the A's. They get to beat up on. They get to beat up on the A's, the Angels, the Royals, the Tigers. They get to beat up on the bad teams within the National League and the American League. They get to be. They get to beat up on the bad teams. That the below average teams like like the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Guardians. They get to play those teams. 
I think also what I learned now too, it it is it might be more it might be as easy as it's been in terms of winning a hundred games. Because how many teams and not just not and I'm not just talking about this postseason, but how many teams that we've seen win a in this in this millennium? How many teams we've seen win over a hundred games in the regular season and fizzle out and look like a a, a a seventy to eighty win team come October? We see it all the time. Especially now. I mean, if you're good. And and you have a certain right formula in terms of winning games. You can win a hundred games in your sleep. I mean, you had. I mean, the Orioles were the only team in the American League, granted, that won over a hundred games. But they, I mean, you had two in the National League that won a hundred games. And last year in the National League, you had what? Three teams went over a hundred games. You had you had the Mets, you had the Braves, and then you had the Dodgers. Three teams in one in a fifteen team league went went over a hundred games. That's that's unheard of. Let alone two within the same division. Same would have been this year if the if the Rays would have won a, a extra few games, they'd have had over a hundred wins too. But the real blame and the meat and potatoes of the blame for the Dodgers' shortcomings. Following the GM Friedman, who thinks that you know, now it's it's great because you can kind of approach that kind of that money ball like philosophy, you know, to a big market team that that can spend money. So it's like you can get the best of both worlds. But he must have thought he was down in Tampa and uh, and and putting together the Tampa Bay Rays roster because outside of a few players, he tried to nickel and dime his way to a, to, to to put together a World Series champion. And it fizzled out and blew out and blew up in his face so horrifically that that they literally have to make some 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 uh, some Jurassic changes between this year's roster and next year's roster if they want to win a World Series championship, especially with their rotation. I mean, they threw in the three games their starters threw just four and two thirds of an of of, of innings pitch. Just four and two-thirds innings pitch. That's the fewest innings pitched by starting pitches in the first three games of a postseason series in the history of the MLB postseason. That, for the Dodgers, that's unacceptable. Can't happen. Under any circumstances, cannot happen. So as much as, again, Roberts, he is obviously no... Tommy Lasorda, but I look at the GM who put together this roster because what's Robert supposed to do? His hands are tied. He met with the, with a garbage team. He, he he's his hands are tied. Starting rotation it was awful from hunger, and the bottom half of his lineup, I mean, are are a bunch are a bunch of you know role player rejects. They kept that at two runs a game every single game of this series. Had runners on base in game two, couldn't capitalize in the sixth, seventh inning. Had runners on base posed to threaten game three, did nothing with it. Can't happen. Like I said with the Orioles, the same applies with the Dodgers. 
you don't hit with runners in scoring position, especially from the sixth inning on, you might as well go on Expedia or Booking.com and book a one-way ticket to Cancun. And when you put it and when you type it in a little search bar, the website should automatically say, "Oh, did you fail to hit with? Did you fail to get base hits uh, with uh, with runners in scoring position?" That's that's the quickest way for your team to go home. The quickest way. Don't hit with runners in scoring position, and you'll and you'll find yourself on 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 vacation mode so fast you won't know where it hits you. So I blame Freeman with the Dodgers because because the roster that they put together this season was is one of the worst LA Dodgers rosters I've seen in this what 12 year 11 12 year run that they've been on with them consecutively consecutively making a postseason on a year and on a year in year out basis this this is one of their worst rosters bar none now in terms of the Philadelphia in terms of the Atlanta Braves I get to the Phillies in a minute in terms of, and by the way, real quick for the American League East, most wins by division. They have more. The AL, the NL East had four twenty four wins. The American League East had four forty nine. They had they had uh, twenty five more wins than the NL East did. The American League, American League East put together four hundred forty nine wins this season, and all three of them got swept. The Blue Jays, the Orioles, and the uh, and the Rays. So much for the best, most competitive division in all of baseball. But um, in terms of the uh, Atlanta Braves last night, um, I don't. I'm not. I didn't make excuses for them and the Dodgers. I mean, also that's embarrassing. Losing to losing to the Arizona Diamondbacks, the one eighty five game that won an eighty four eighty five. And come on. You won the season series from them. You won the division. And the fact that the Dodgers, not once, but in back-to-back years, get a- got ambushed in the opening round of the playoffs to the little brother, to the inferior little brother of their divisions in, in these playoff series, I mean, that, that embarrassing. Can't happen. You went over 100 games, win the regular season, rah, 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 and then disappear against divisional opponents in October. That's inexcusable. The Dodgers too have some soul searching to do this offseason. And in terms of the um of the of the uh, Philadelphia Phillies and the uh and the Atlanta Braves. I mean, if you're the Phillies or excuse me, the Braves, same thing. Can't get hits to us. I mean, outside of uh, outside of two hits from Travis Darnot and Austin Riley in game 2 Monday night. I mean, the offense their offense did completely nothing. You want to look at the look at the Braves numbers as far as the scoring position? Two for seven with runners in scoring position left eight guys on base. When you're a corner who's the MVP who had 200 in this series, uh, Marcelo Zuna couldn't hit his weight, hit 200. I mean, just awful. Orlando Arcia, I mean, and then, and, you know, with, with the with the attaboy Harper thing, and then he turns around and starts doing the nine-nine boo-boo thing to the Philadelphia to the Philadelphia crowd during the game last night while the team's losing. I mean, he is going to find, I tell you, the, the, he is going to find himself out of a job so fast, I, he, he might as well uh, say, he might as well take his last little uh, victory lap around Truist Park and call it a day because the Braves would be co- absolute complete idiots to bring that jabroni back. 
back. I mean, what, my goodness gracious me. And for, and for him to taunt Harper in the locker room, listen, that's that's been a scandal in and of itself. You know, the reporter that, that whistleblowed and made it public what he said, what, what to make of it. Listen, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, on one hand, you know, the, the the sacredness of the locker room, I get it. You know, just because he said it to his teammates, that doesn't mean you as a reporter has to air hustle and report it like it, you know, and report it to basically inject yourself into the series to to, to give the Philadelphia Phillies a inspirational cause. But then at the same time, if you're um, the same time, if you're uh, if you're uh, Orlando Arcia, you'd be a complete fool to think that uh you know the complete fool to think that in the year 2023 you know that you can say things in the days of the internet and smartphones and, and voice and video recordings and everything else you'd be a fool to think that that you know that you can say things in certain environments and expect people either not to hear it cat get wind of it or capture it via recording and and publish it out there for the entire world to listen to and see so that's where I stand on it. But Arcia, I mean, what what exactly did he do in the series? I mean, he hit one eighty two. I mean, give me a break. Um, and the Braves again can't hit. Why? And uh, and there's a lot of scenarios in this game uh, that I thought was that I thought was very intriguing. I don't know why Acuna decided to risk it. You know, when he did tagging up the third base when his run didn't mean anything. Um, I'm trying to, uh, go by the play by play sheet to see when it was, um, where he tagged up. I think it might've been the, um, uh, it might've been the time. Was it the ninth? It might, it was it the ninth. I'm not sure, but, um, but it happened late in the game where he tagged, where it happened late in the game where he tagged up trying to go from second to third. He got away with it because it, he almost got thrown out, which he shouldn't have. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at uh when I'm looking I'm trying to find Thursday. There you go. I'm simply looking at uh Wednesday's uh play by play sheet and the one I couldn't uh find the damn thing right. Um but he tagged up and got away with it, which I thought was a very dubious move because the his run doesn't mean anything in that scenario. The runner behind him is the consequential uh is the consequ is the consequential run or runner, I should say, that's on base, which I so I did not agree with that decision under any circumstances. Um, and Pilar has to go to has to score on the uh, on the wild pitch. He has to. He said on third base, he's a fast he's a fast uh, base runner, decent to very good base runner. He's got to score on when that ball gets away from the catcher. He has to. I understand. That you know that uh, with uh, I mean and, and 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 I understand Acuna Jr. is up at the plate, but you have to score. You have to score on that. You can't say, especially when your team's struggling to get hits with runs in scoring position. You have to be able to make something happen and take advantage of the wild pitch. So I did not understand that. Uh, so I did not understand that. Um, I did not understand that uh, whatsoever. Uh, in my uh, in my humble opinion. So he's got he's got a score on he's got a score on that and uh and uh Marcelo Zuna um you know he's got he's got to play better. Got to play better. And Nick Castellanos what a what a game he had. 3 for 3, two home runs and a walk. Trey Turner 4 for 4 nearly hit for the cycle. Also had a home run night as well. I mean, a phenomenal job by the by the Philadelphia Phillies. Phenomenal job. And I and if you're the Atlanta Braves, 
Losing to the same team in back-to-back years, again, unacceptable. 2022, you want to give them a pass, which I don't. You're the defending champs, damn it, you play like it. But if you want to give them a pass, you know, last year they were the defending champs. They uh, they went through hell trying to catch the Mets for first place in the uh, first place in the NL East. You want to cut them some slack and cut them some. You can cut them some slack. I'm not going to, but if you want to, you certainly can, uh, and we can have that debate. But this year, no more. I mean, this is, this is back to back Octobers now, where the Atlanta Braves are 0 for 4 in Philadelphia in that ballpark in that city in the NLDS. Back to back years. They've lost two last year there. They lost two this year. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. For a team with all that talent, number one offense in all of baseball, Acuna Jr., the MVP with the 40 and 70 season, damn it, you got to find a way to get the job done against your division rival as the superior team, division champions, World Series favorite, get off the damn deck. And I don't want to hear no Braves fans making excuses. Snitker didn't. He said, well, it didn't, it didn't bother the Astros, so I, I don't want to hear no excuses for us. And he's a 1,000% right. 1,000% right. You are two years moving into defending champions. You were the World Series favorite all season long. There is no excuse why, you, why yet again, you lost another postseason series to the Atlanta Braves. No excuse, and also no ex- and there is also no excuse as and no excuse as to why you guys were as piss poor throwing the scoring position as as you were. And they had run they had runners on base, you know they had runners on base in the uh, in the in the seventh inning, and you had a feeling that if they did not walk out of there at least with the game tied in the seventh inning, that they were not going to win that game. They had runners. They had the bases loaded with two out, down three one against against Craig Kimbrell, who was walking on a on a on a tightrope during that top of the seventh inning. And a decision I thought was very very iffy and shaky. I I questioned it at the time. Say it again. I thought it was very dubious and very questionable of Rob Thompson to bring in his closer. You know, two innings early with the bases loaded. Let alone up against the top, uh, let alone up against the top of the order. Knowing good and well, even if he got out of it, which he did, he knew that with the game still tight, unless his team uh, blew up, blew blew up the scoreboard and and uh, put together more runs, he wasn't going to have him for obviously the ninth inning. But they got Kimbrel, but they got Kimbrel walking the tightrope with the bases with the uh, with the bases loaded. Uh, and the base, and that, and that was when uh, Pilar should have scored with Acuna on at the plate. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a one-one. It was a one-one count. Pilar gets halfway in between first, first, and uh, excuse me, gets halfway between home and home and third. The ball kicks way over towards the Philadelphia Phillies dugout. There's nobody covering home, and Pilar stays still. And in a three-one game, he's gotta, he's gotta. Take some sort of a chance. Try to score on that. Make it three-two. If you score, you're down one run instead of two. Which in a game like this, it, it, it looms paramount because all you need is one runner on base, and you bring the tying run up to the uh, tying run up to the. Or excuse me. You get one runner on base, and that's the tying run down one compared to being down two, where the tying run is at the plate rather than on base. 
Furthermore, if you score and the runners on first and second try to advance 90 feet, you can also make the you also put pressure on the Philadelphia Phillies defense, put some pressure on Riamilto and get the defense thinking a little bit to say, oh hey, do we throw down the second and third base and try to throw these guys out, risking that they one risking that the lead runner might try to take advantage and steal an, another 90 feet. And and factor in, do we take the risk of throwing it down a second or third base and it get kicks into the outfield and everybody scores and you blink and and next thing and next thing you know the the Braves are up four three, but Pilar has to in the seventh inning when when uh, when Kimbrel is walking the, is walking the tightrope, you got to find a way to score from third on that. You have to. What happens? Acuna Jr. flies out to flies out to left center field and that's the end of the inning and they walk away with nothing. I mean, and and you figured as soon as that catch was made, that was going to be the ball game. You figure once the Phillies got out of the, got out of there with uh, got out of there unscathed, still with the still with the uh, with the two run lead, you knew that the Atlanta Braves were finished. You knew they were finished. Now they get a leadoff single top in the ninth inning, and then uh, and then Darnold comes in right behind Arzuna. And uh, and kicks a, and uh, and uh, kicks a single into right field to put runners on uh, on first and second. And then, like I previously mentioned, Ozuna, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. It's, it's uh, to lead off the inning and you're down two. Your run does not mean anything. It's one thing for Pilar to do it because again, Pilar he scores from third to home. A he's only ninety feet away. And uh, and it also puts the the Phillies in a position where they have to think defensively. If okay, if he's coming home, do we play the do we play for the run at the plate, or do we you know make sure that the other two run? It, it puts pressure on the defense in that scenario. This uh uh-uh. uh him going first to third on a on a on a on a uh, nobody out single in a second at bat at the top of the ninth inning down two is dumb. His run doesn't mean anything. Darno sitting on first base does he because he's the tying run. Thus, as a result, if 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 uh, Marcelo Zuni gets thrown out at third, hypothetically, there's a run on first base, one out, sets up the season-ending double play, and it brings the tying run to the plate instead of the go-ahead run. So I thought it was very, very idiotic of Ozuna. Now he got away with it because he made it in there, but I thought it was, a ve- and especially when the ball w- wasn't hit all that deep into right field, I mean, it was a very idiotic decision by him to try to go first to third on that, especially with his run not me- not meaning anything in the big picture. And if the tag was there about maybe two seconds sooner, he would have gotten thrown out. I mean, just horrendous, horrendous base running from the from the Atlanta Braves last night. Horrendous, and again, their hitting with runners in scoring position was not was uh, was not very good. Not very good at all in this series. You take a look at you take a look at the numbers with runners in scoring position for Atlanta last night. Uh, not something to be proud of, and it gives the Braves something to think about as they embark on a long, uh, painful off season. They went zero for five with runners in scoring position, left eight guys on base. With a lineup that I was told and was as advertised as the best offense that the history of baseball has ever seen, 0 for 5, leaving 8 on base with run scoring position in an elimination game against your division rival, no less. One run on five hits. That horseman, that that performance, horse manure. That's garbage. Unacceptable, unadulterated slop. Can't happen. 
And, you know, Strider pitched pitched okay, pitched well enough to give the Phillies a chance to win, but he didn't pitch great. Five and two-thirds, seven hits, three runs, uh, walked three batters, gave up three home runs. Not great enough. And then game three, you know, after all the emotion and the uh, ridiculous excitement of um, – of uh, the of the game two victory on Monday night, they lay a complete egg. Here it is, thinking, "Oh wow, it's going to be a deep series. Atlanta's going to have a chance. It's going to be a five game series. Game five back in Atlanta on Saturday night, and then they just they they get blitzkrieged by Philadelphia. They put up a six run third and score runs in the fifth in the fifth and sixth innings, and it scored two in the eighth, and that was all she wrote. Harper has a two homer game. Phillies as a team, uh, Harper and Castellanos have a two homer night. They score the Phillies as a team hit three home runs. Excuse me, hit six home runs on a night. Just awful. And then seeing the sight of uh, of Harper stare down Arcias, he's running second base during those home runs. I mean, it, it was it was great, great theater. If you're a baseball and if you're a sports and in, and in specific. Uh, or excuse me, specifically a baseball fan. Yeah, you, you had to love the. Yeah, even though it didn't go to full five games, you had to love this series. Had to love it. Plenty of offense. Uh, you know the, the pettiness with the Harper Arcia thing. The crowd was definitely into it and was hyping it up and whooping it up in the two games in Philly. The the game two in uh, in Atlanta was abs was absolutely electric. By far the best series. Of the uh, of the postseason, which really, in all honesty and objectivity, has been a complete dud, to, to put it nicely. It has not been a great postseason, but the one bright spot was this series between Philadelphia and uh, Atlanta. Harper two for five in game uh, two for five in game three. Castellanos two for four with the two home runs. Marsh three for four in the night, and then they and then the Philadelphia and then the Atlanta Braves. I mean, just awful job by Elder deer in the headlights, you know. And again, I and a thing that I also noticed with these teams, these teams fall into a trap of the young starter that's going to be the future of the franchise that has talent, you know, that can play and can pitch in this league. They fall in love with the with the nice little stretch that these young pitchers go on. And then they think now when and they think that even though that their entire body of work says one thing says that hey I wouldn't exactly trust this guy with my seasonal line or in a postseason playoff setting, but they think well going off they think well the small body of work says he's well I mean and not to say that they're wrong and that they're lying but they say oh well the, well the small body of work has last you know handful of starts he's pitched well let's throw him out there deep end of the pool and it seems like every single time they do that it comes back to bite him in the ass whether it, whether you know it's Grayson whether it's Kramer with the Orioles and no different with Elder with Atlanta in game three two and two thirds five hits six runs walks a batter gives up two home runs. Complete mess. Then the headlights, overwhelmed by the moment. And then on the Phillies side, Suarez pitches well last night, and then Nola and Wheeler just pitched absolute gems. And again, if you're the Phillies, no excuse making. I hear all the time, and Castellanos, by the way, first player to record multiple home runs, a multi-homer game in in back-to-back consecutive a la postseason games so uh, shout out to Nick Castellanos with that but no excuse to be Atlanta Braves 
all that talent, all that firepower, all the noise that you guys make with that stupid asinine mascot taunting teams on social media and him doing a little asinine little run on the outfield with, with the dopey uh, Braves flag at your spot. No excuses. Got the MVP of the sport on your team. I heard that this offense was the greatest thing since sliced bread and your offense was a complete no-show in this series. And outside of two hits in game two, you guys were better off not even showing up as an offense. You guys were so bad. I understand that your rotation was, you know, been ba- was and ha- has and was battered by injury all season long. But when your calling card is your offense and you don't hit, that's a huge indictment on 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 the baseball team. Huge. When Austin Riley and Travis Darnall have your biggest hits of the series, that that, that spells a problem. Matt Olson, Acuna. Nowhere to be found in big moments in this series. Nowhere to be found. Again, unacceptable. Can't happen. I don't hear no excuse about the layoff. None of that. You're the, Phil- you're the Braves. Your calling card is that you're a great offense. You hit teams out the ballpark. Well, prove it to me. And they didn't. Old four throws to scoring position. Left multiple guys on base in game three with their season on the line. And had opportunities. Had opportunities in the seventh. Had opportunities in the ninth. And couldn't capitalize. Can't happen. So the Dodgers, the Braves, the Orioles, all of them. 100 win teams, division champions, folded like a cheap tent on the clearance rack in the first round of the postseason. And between the three teams, only one playoff win. Unacceptable. So for the Dodgers and the Braves, Q&A of the episode. Should MLB change their current postseason format and why? Should MLB change their current postseason format and why? Q&A, poll question of the episode, available exclusively on the Amatelica TIS podcast Spotify channel page. Exclusively on the channel page for this show. Exclusively on Spotify. Because there's also been a lot of talk about, well, do you change the series because all the big teams got screwed and they didn't win again to make it out of the first round? No, because you could, I mean, again, the Dodgers had no pitching and they in the bottom half of the lineup was from hunger. The Phillies can't hit and they just can't get out of their own way when it comes to playing the Phillies, who absolutely own them in the month of October. The Orioles were not ready to play. They, you know, got outclassed, over, outmanaged, out everything against the Texas Rangers, who, outside of a few players, now important ones, and played important roles in this series. But it wasn't like that the Rangers roster, the Rangers lineup 1-9 through nine was, was, was oozing with a bunch of playoff and World Series experience. I don't hear from them. Tampa Bay always comes up small in October, what else is new? Uh, and the Dodgers are perennial... October or perennial October chokers when they're not playing in a 60 game Mickey Mouse season. So I don't want to, so the excuse of the layoff, I don't want to hear. Now, granted, what I do want to see is that 
and not and these teams get knocked out have nothing to do with it because I said it and I had this opinion heading into the postseason. What I do want to see is that the one and two seeds um, don't have such a tough opponent in the first round, especially when they're coming off of the bye. That's what I do want. I the tough opponent, fine. Have them go through the tough opponent for them to get to the World Series, not the win a for, for them for the for the Orioles, Braves. And the uh, Dodgers case, a first-round playoff series, and then having it now, I understand, now Arizona, different conversation. But for both of these teams, the Braves and the, and the, uh, and the, uh, and the Orioles, they should not be going through those teams in the first round of the playoffs. They should be going through the second. And quite frankly, us as baseball fans would have loved and would have appreciated the series more if it was the best of seven to go to the World Series rather than a first-round best of five to get to the NLCS. Because now you're going to have, you know, Diamondbacks and Phillies, and you're going to be sitting there saying to yourself, I wish it was Braves and Phillies in championship series now rather than the divisional series back then. Because even if, even if the, uh, you know, if you get them in a championship game, there's still one more game. If it was a championship best of seven, the, 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 the Phillies would be up 3-1. They'd be up three one, and the Phillies and the Braves would have an opportunity to would have uh, two more opportunities to get there to extend their season. And the answer is not to expand the playoff field because you don't need six. There's only thirty teams in the league. You don't need more than half. About I think the math comes out to about fifty two percent or somewhere along those lines. You don't need more than half of your league playing in the postseason. That's the first thing. So people say, well, expand it to eight and basically just have one th- play eight, two through seven, three and six, and four and five. No, we don't need eight teams per league in in the postseason. We don't need that. You know, the 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 ten was fine. The twelve is fine. You don't need any more than twelve, especially when the league is going to stay the way it has been with thirty teams. You can't have more than half your league playing in the postseason. It's just it's fraudulent. That's the first thing. Secondly, I don't want the I don't want the wild card to go back to the to the to the playoff game format. Baseball, you play series. It's unfair for teams. Fantastic six months, 162 game season to ball down on one night. So I like the fact that it's a short, quick series and not the one game. So, so the argument of oh, we'll make go back to the one game. Oh, I want to hear that. And with the and where the one game argument comes in because people like to say, well, let's go to the one game and make the division series a best of seven. No, the thing I like about baseball, and I mentioned it at the top, the thing I like about baseball, unlike, and I'm not a hockey fan, but hockey is the same way it is in basketball. The reason why I like it is because their sport also has playoff series instead of playoff games like college basketball and the NFL does and college football. The reason why I like it is because it's quick. It's quick. They play, they play every day for the most part, and it's quick. You're, you're, you're a, a week and a half, roughly, into the postseason. You're a week and a half, nearly two weeks into, you know, excuse me, after 162, the final day of the regular season. And already you're down to your final four teams. One more round and you're in the World Series. It doesn't feel like that because it's still, you know, early October. But you, but, but you're, but you're, you got your final four teams. You had essentially, you had three days of the wild card, roughly five days of the divisional series, and right there you're down to your final four of the league. 30 down to four, and literally a matter of two weeks. 
matter of two weeks, they'd just be completing a first round NBA or NHL playoff series. And again, I don't want to be, I don't want the World Series champion crowned in, you know, during Thanksgiving, you know, when it's 40 degrees all over, all over America, people, the premature uh, Christmas obsessed people have the Christmas trees up, drinking their, drinking their eggnog out of the red Starbucks cups, listen to uh, Mariah Carey on a loop. I, I, no, I don't need it. I don't need a World Series champion crowned when everybody's in Christmas mode in mid to late November. I don't, I don't, I don't need that. I I don't need to see fans going to baseball games like they're like they're dressed going to Lambeau in the middle of January. I don't need that. I don't need a best of seven because they're not going to because they're not going to uh, 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 shave off uh, uh, twelve or so games uh, of the uh, of the regular season. I, so I don't want to see that. I don't need a best of seven first round playoff series to tell me who the better team is. All you all you would do literally is just extend pain for one more day. So the Orioles, for a perfect example, this season would if it was a best of seven, their season would have ended Wednesday night rather than Tuesday night. BFD. So I don't need that. What I well, all the only thing that the playoff system needs is the reseeding in the opening round, meaning the one plays the six, the two plays the five. The, 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 no, though, no, yeah, the one plays the six, the two plays the five, the three, no, the one gets to buy. I'm I'm losing my head. The one gets to buy. So, for instance, the Orioles, like I penciled, like I penciled out, I'd do it again. Okay. The Orioles got to buy the sixth seed in the postseason. Let me punch up the postseason picture so I can have the visual in front of me so I'm not getting myself confused. The Orioles were the one seed. So realistic. So the way it should be done, and the way the, that the NFL did it before they expanded their playoff field, because they like baseball used to run. You know, f- from '78 to 2019, they ran it with the 12 playoff teams, like baseball does now. So, for instance, the Orioles are the one seed. The Orioles should have played the should have played the um, should have played the winner of the Minneapolis and the. Toronto series. They should have played the winner of the 6-3, not the 5-4. So the Orioles should have gotten the Twins in the opening round, and the Astros should have gotten Texas. In the National League, the Braves should have gotten the winner of Arizona-Milwaukee, played Milwaukee in the opening round, and have the Dodgers match up with the Phillies. A little bit of a harder matchup for the Dodgers, easier matchup for the Braves, but you're awarding the Braves because they had the because they had the best record, they won the most games, and thus for you know in terms of in terms of adding drama and creating the theater, you have if there were to be a rematch between the Phillies and Atlanta in the postseason again, it would be for heightened stakes in the for the National League Championship to go to the World Series rather than. In the first for the Phillies, the second round for the Braves, the first round of of the of the playoffs, just to advance. Now, ironically enough, it also it Matt it it works out on the flip side for the American League side because the Astros and the Rangers were on opposite sides of the bracket, and two division rivals match up against each other for the American League crown. 
So it low key works. So it low key worked out for the American League, but it has to reseed, has to, because if it's football, the one seed does not play. The one seed does not play the four seed wild card weekend. Okay, the 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 the, the team that the the Kansas City Chiefs do not now they did because now they did because the cookie because the cookie crumbled that way. But in terms of how you fare the 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 quality of the teams. The Chiefs don't play, you know, don't play, you know, the second or the third best team in the AFC in the opening round of the playoffs. Kansas City did not did not play did not you know play their first playoff game against the Bengals at home. They played Jacksonville. The 49ers did not play their first playoff game last season against. Um, well, they were the two seed, so it's a little different. Um, trying to, the one seed, Philadelphia. They didn't play the the Philadelphia Eagles. Did not play their first playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys in on the opening round. They play the Giants. So the one thing they have to do is reseed. The one plays the remainder of the six and three, and the two plays the remainder of the five and the four. That's the way. That's the only fix that they need to have. The best of three is fine. I like the fact that it goes from three to five to seven for the. The only time you should have a seven-game series in any sport is for a championship, because you're deciding a champion for a first, second-round playoff series. You don't need you don't need a half a dozen games to to decide. You know who's the better team in the first round of first, second round of the playoffs with no championship, no hardware on the line. I don't need it. So that's the one change that I would have. Outside of that, I don't hear any excuses for the Dodgers, none for the none for the none for the Phillies, and none for the Orioles. But my complaint for the reseeding is something that I had heading into this postseason, and I'll have coming out of it, and I'll have it again come this time next year. But no excuses for the Orioles, the Phillies, excuse me, the Orioles, the Braves, or the Dodgers, whom ironically enough were that we've know now, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but we're flawed hundred win division champion baseball teams. And the lucky horseshoe is up the Houston Astros ass again. <clears throat> Never ends with that franchise, I swear. Oh my goodness gracious. The ALCS is set. Game one coming up Sunday night, Battle of uh, Texas in the as this American League Championship Series for the year 2023 will take place solely in the Lone Star State between the uh, Texas Rangers of Dallas, the Dallas Arlington Fort Worth area, and the uh, defending champion Houston Astros. Uh, Astros. Hard to believe, seven consecutive ALCS appearances. I mean, and they've only been in the American League for what? 10 years or so. I think they made the move in 2013 if my memory serves me correctly. And and they had and out of their first 10 years in the league, they've been to seven consecutive ALCSs. The only the Braves had the longest streak from 91 to 99 of playing in the league championship series. Oh my goodness gracious. How does this team do it? And they do it, you know, with different outside of Verlander, Bregman, Altuve, 
throw in uh, Michael, throw in uh, Michael Brantley. They find a way to do it with a different cast of characters, and even with a and even and now with a different manager, obviously, over the last few seasons, and a different with uh, with uh, Dusty and a different GM, and they find a, and they find and they continually find a way to put together a good baseball team. I mean, it to, that's there to compete for a championship on a year-in-year-out basis. I mean, it's unbelievable. Here it is. Springer leaves. He goes to the Blue Jays. Correa leaves. He goes to the Twins. And the team, the team never, you know, Gurriel is gone. And the team never skips a beat. They never skip a beat. And it's just, it's remarkable, man. And, you know, cheating or no cheating, they're always here. I don't know how. But they're always, always here. And how about Jordan Alvarez and the and the ALDS he had against uh, against the Twins, averaging a home run every eight point one four at bats in his career in the division series. That's the second best all time behind Juan Gonzalez for av- for the highest average of averaging a, for the highest home run average in an L- in LDS play with the uh, fifty at bat minimum. I mean, absolutely unbelievable stuff from this team. They got the job done against the Twins on a Wednesday night. They clinched their seventh straight ALCS. Obviously, the Rangers got a job done against my Orioles. Um, it's going to be very, I mean, these by far, folks, are the two best managers in baseball, Bochi and Dusty Baker, not even close. And for you dopes and you analytically uh, and you slaves to the analytics, you jabronis, you analytical jabronis that love hiring the 30, 40-year-old front off, former player front office mouthpiece that's going to uh, that's going to be, you know, be the spokesperson of the franchise and uh, regurgitate the analytical garbage while also being a figurehead, being the former player, so you can relate to the players and be their buddy, a la Aaron Boone with the Yankees. Uh, take notes, you know. Don't don't try to go for the for the for the young, you know, in shape former player heartthrob, you know that the you know that the forty and fifty and sixty year old, you know, the female baseball fans swoon over when they watch their favorite team play on a night basis. No, go for the old fart with the bare belly. You know that that look that you know that looks a little rundown. That's up in age in his sixties and seventies, and you might win something. Don't believe me? Ask the Rangers why they found themselves in their first ALCS since two thousand eleven when Ron Washington, the former uh, base coach for the for the Atlanta, or excuse me, their former manager, who's now the uh, uh, current base coach for the Atlanta Braves. Go go ask the go ask them. Or how about the Rangers? You know now now you want to look at Hinch. You want to throw it out the window with the with the cheating? Okay, fine. They've been to back back World Series. They've been to back no. They've been to three World Series under Dusty Baker and won one of them, including these two back to back last year and this year. They continuously and both got and both and I want to hit like what? Yeah, both guys played. But not, but but they played, and they have also been around baseball long enough. Whether you know they took time off, you know, watching the game as a fan, they were a broadcaster, whatever. They they're baseball lifers, baseball lifers, and they can sit back and they can watch a game, they can analyze a game, they know how to manage their players, know how to manage a starting rotation, manage a bullpen, write a lineup card. I mean, the, and you think those guys, you know, are ringing the phones with the analytical geeks? Telling, uh, telling Dusty Baker, uh, you know, what his bullpen moves, and uh, and toying with Bruce Bochy with with his moves out of the bullpen, not a chance in hell. 
you you do not tell two Hall of Fame managers of their caliber who've been around baseball for as long of a time as they have, you know, that have been successful. Now, Bochi, you know, didn't win. Bochi didn't win when he was with the Padres, and obviously we can be here and recount chapter and verse of the places that Dusty was at where he didn't win. The Giants, the Cubs, the Reds. The Nationals, you know, in places where he put together good ball clubs that made the postseason one division titles. A few of them, uh, in the case, at least in the case of the Giants, got to a World Series, but couldn't get the job done. You know, but those, but those guys, you know, th- those guys are champions. Those guys are champions. Those guys are Hall of Famers. There's four World Series in between, in between both of them. Those guys, those guys know how to get it done. So in terms of the who you know the 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 cream the the cream rising to the top in terms of who the best managers in the American League are, the cream has risen to the top with the Rangers and the Astros. Because those two are the two best managers in the sport. And let's and the Astros won a division. The Rangers, you know, they both had the same record, but the Astros won a division courtesy of tiebreaker. Um but I tell you, we got Montgomery, who's going on the mound, who uh, has a 3.27 ERA, seven strikeouts, had the uh, sensational had the uh, sensational outing uh, in the wild card series uh, against uh, against Tampa, and then of course uh, Verlander, who pitched well in Game One, uh, who pitched well in Game One against the um, against the uh, against um, I'm drawing a blank here, the Minnesota Twins in Game One. Uh, so it should be an intriguing matchup for, uh, for, in terms of, uh, elite starting, uh, rota- in terms of elite, uh, in terms of elite starting pitching. Um, and Montgomery also, uh, let me, cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, look, cause I believe he also pitched in the, uh, in the Orioles series. I just want to double check and be sure and read you his numbers, uh, in the, uh, in game three, if he did. Uh, let me double check, double check, double check, double check. He did not game number two in the series against Baltimore. He got the, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. He started, yeah, so he, he started twice. So he's coming off of his start, I apologize, coming off of his start week when he uh, pitched in game two on Sunday in Baltimore. His stat line for that game, four innings pitch, gave up nine hits, five runs, Four, uh, four of them earned, uh, struck out two, walked the batter, gave up a home run. So he pitched well, like I said in the aforementioned wild card uh, uh, outing against Tampa. Had a went had went on a little struggle bus a little bit, got knocked around against the Orioles on Sunday. So we'll see how the uh, Astros attack him uh, in the early going. And in terms of the Rangers side, listen. Their offense now with them for me with the Rangers. If I was a Ranger fan, even if I expect to win this series, I anticipate there being at least a couple of nights where my offense is gonna is gonna have an is gonna have an off night because they've been clicking. And I'm not saying this to to spite the team and to say that they can't win a championship because they can. I mean they can and they can win this series and win the whole thing. But if I if it was if I was a Ranger fan. My philosophy would be, or not my philosophy, but my mindset would be, there's going to be, even if it's a game that we win, there's going to be a game or two in this series where this offense is just going to, you know, not tally up eight 
eight, nine, eleven runs, you know, like you know, like 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 you know, in their sleep, like they did against the Orioles, like they did against Tampa, because a the Astros pitching's too good, and they're going to cool, and their bats going to cool off at some point. They and again, not saying that they can't win the series, not saying they can't win the whole thing. But there's going to be a game or two, and I'm intrigued to see if it's as soon as game one uh, coming up on uh, Sunday night, if the bets for the or for Texas go ice cold and they don't hit as well off of the Astro pitching as they do against the uh, beleaguered oil rotation, as we discussed earlier uh, in the program. I think this is going to be a six-game series, I think. Um, the Bochi, certainly I like him, uh, have the, I like Bochi having the advantage over, um, over, uh, Dusty Baker in this series. Although I think that the Astros are a better team in terms of, uh, not the better team, but they're the, but they are, they are the more experienced team. The Rangers have the better roster top to bottom, but the, uh, but the Astros are the team with experience and home foot advantage, which I think matters, especially in a series like this with everything on the line. Verlander going to game one. I think in this series, it's going to be. Hmm. I say Rangers in seven. I say Rangers in seven. Astros had, had you know, had, they were fortunate to walk out to uh, to beat. Uh, they they split the two games at home, games one and two against Minnesota. They uh, were very fortunate to win the division and and danced out of danger with uh, in game number four against the Twins earlier this week. And the Rangers, they're just a team that has just caught fire and has not looked back since. And if you learned anything throughout this entire 2023 postseason is that don't try to analyze these games, analyze these teams based on logic and previous history because you end up wrong every single time. So I will pick the Texas Rangers to win this series in seven games. But I do think that the Astros uh, give them get are the are you know the the Rangers against Tampa and against the Orioles were the ones delivering the right hand uh, ambushes early in the series. I think though to start it'll be the Astros to deliver the right hand punches early, and it'll be intriguing to see how the Rangers respond if uh, if that ends up happening. Uh, in games one and two on uh, Saturday on Sunday night and uh, Friday. Uh, and on uh, Friday evening. And quickly, and regarding the foot, so I think it's going to be Rangers in seven. And on the National League side, um, it is, and ironically enough, as long as one team stays out, stays out of the World Series, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks, baseball's going to have a good, it's going to have a good World Series, which is the crazy thing. They had the Dodgers, the Braves, the Orioles, and the Rays bounce. All the teams with the best records in the sport, and yet they're still, unless the Diamondbacks get in and ruin the party. If as long as the Phillies get in the World Series and and take care of business on the National League side, they're gonna have a damn good World Series. They're gonna have a rematch of last year's World Series, or they're gonna have Texas and the Phillies, the two teams that's been hot as hell throughout the entire throughout this entire postseason run. That has had you know that heard everything the the Rangers with the Astros and the Phillies with Atlanta, and they're gonna meet up in the Fall Classic. 
you know, the, the Rangers with the World Series manager, the surprise team that lost night against the previous season, that, that, you know, the young, the talent that they bought is starting to, is starting to, uh, produce its promising fruit and then on the flip side with philadelphia trying to get back and avenge their game their game six world series defeat from last season so as long as the diamondbacks stay out of the world series baseball ironically enough as it sounds is going to have a damn good fall classic and arizona listen they took care they took care of business against the dodgers Lavelle did a sensation. Lavelle did a sensational job. Give him credit to four home runs in the one inning in Game Three on Wednesday night. No, on uh, yeah, on Wednesday night. The pressure's on Philadelphia to get back. Pressure's off of Arizona. Arizona loses game. Hell, even if they get swept, it's a successful. They had a win total in the mid eighties, and they found a way to be to be one of the final two teams standing in the National League. So their season's a success. The pressure now went from all on Atlanta, and it was like with Atlanta losing, they passed the torch on to Philadelphia. Yeah, we're out of it, but enjoy having all the pressure and the spotlight and the eyes on you to make it out to make it out of the NLCS alive and make it to the World Series. Will Philadelphia do that? I absolutely believe that they will. Give me the Philadelphia Phillies to win this game in five. Excuse me, win this series and uh, win this series in five games, and I think you will have a Ranger Phillies fall classic. Which means, in this case, obviously, because I do nothing but jinx teams that I pick to win something. That's just how this program works with me predicting stuff. It's going to be an Astros Arizona Diamondbacks World Series. So enjoy. I think the Phillies have a much better roster top to bottom, much better rotation. Wheeler and Nola I like than I like over the guys uh, among the top of the Diamondbacks rotation. They have experience. They're hungry. They got the dog. They have the veteran dogs. that has been around Harper, Castellanos, uh, Castellanos, Trey Turner. Marsh has made a tremendous. Has made a had a, a decent series. Had a solid series against Atlanta. I I like Philadelphia. Better team. Better manager. More experienced. And they are hungrier than the Diamondbacks are. And in terms of the football game last night, listen. I don't know what else you want me to say about Russell Wilson. I mean, he's had a, he's had a good he's improved this season compared to last. He has had a much better beginning to the season this year than he did last year. But when he goes out there and he can't throw for he throws football twenty two times, gets sacked four times, throws two interceptions, and can't even complete a hundred yards passing. I mean that 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 that's downright that's downright atrocious and offensive. And if you're Jerry Judy, who's who should spend more time studying film uh, and practicing his craft instead of bucking at and bumping his gums and disrespecting Steve Smith Senior on Twitter and on the sidelines, you know, with the NFL Network camera crew prior to the game, how embarrassing is he? Five targets, three receptions, fourteen yards. Are you kidding me? And I got and I got this guy bucking and and wanted to pick fights against the pissing matches with Steve Smith, who's a better wide receiver than Jerry Judy will ever be. I got to stomach that now. Why? Because Steve Smith is, is is harsh. He tells it like it is. He doesn't give a damn. He doesn't kiss your ass and 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 and, and, and placate to your damn feelings and tell you that you're the greatest thing you know since since the birth of Jesus. Really, really, Jerry, really. With the god awful, pathetic joke of a wide receiver you've been in the National Football League thus far in your young and forgettable career. 
My gosh. And Russell Wilson. You can see the way he plays. He, he, he's trying to protect his stats. You, you just see it. You don't tuck it. You don't tuck it and run. Four run. I mean, four carries for 31 yards. He gets sacked. He got sacked four times. You want to talk about a quarterback? A quarterback whose play has just completely fallen off a cliff. It's Russell Wilson. Broncos fall to one and five. Their season already over. Kansas City somehow, some way, is a flawed five and one football team. Didn't play great offensively either. Couldn't run the ball tremendously well. Mahomes 30 of 40, 306, one touchdown pass. Uh, and when one interception, very sloppy offensive game on both accounts. Kansas City once again finds a way to beat the piss out of the Denver Broncos. But I figured I needed a little bit of help for this, uh, for the first game that we're going to dissect here uh, on the week six slate. Uh, and it's by far the best game on the Sunday. It's the best, it's the second best game. Arguably, you could say it's the best, but second best game of the week six slate. And the best game on a Sunday between the Seahawks and the Bengals. And I thought I haven't, he hasn't been on in a long time. If I can get him a couple of seconds, you know, while he's bouncing around in between serving up cupcakes and, uh, and, uh, flipping burgers, uh, helping the uh, Baltimore population continuing to gain uh, more weight and drive up their diabetes <laughs> and high blood pressure numbers. <laughs> Maybe I can, I could steal him for a couple of seconds to uh, get a, steal him for a couple of seconds to help me uh, preview and give a Seahawks perspective for Seahawks Bengals. My brother Ian, uh, the Morgan State uh, student of that uh, godforsaken institution, and he's laughing because he knows I'm right. No, you, uh, you hyping it up too much. What a garbage, garbage, dragging, dragging. garbage institution, uh, sir, uh, Mr. Clyde. How would you uh, assess? Yes, how would you assess uh, your Seattle Seahawks heading into this game when it's coming up on Sunday? And speak loud, none, none of that mumble crap. This is not the shade room. This is a professional. Uh, this is a professional uh, broadcast show. Give your uh, unadulterated, clear, concise, articulate opinions on your Seattle Seahawks who have act, who have played well and actually picked up right where they left off last season. Go ahead. Um. I think we'll do. I think I hope we beat the brakes off y'all. I just want to. I just want to come on Sunday to see you like mad, just like raging with anger and like DK Metcalf. We didn't come home. We're watching the game together. We mean come home. Like you know, because normally I work on Sundays. Like I'll yeah, but you're off this Sunday. We mean you're watching the game with uh, me. Okay, okay, all right. All right um, the microphone's this way. I know the microphone's this way. I'm so, why, so, so don't talk to the wall. <laughs> I'm not talking talk to the wall. you get the off go ahead. my jog, then. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, hope it's a, I hope we just dominate y'all. I hope what DK said about uh, Weatherspoon getting the best of uh, Chase doesn't, you know, uh, Comer doesn't come back to bite us in the butt. But I, I think it'll be a great game, hopefully. I mean, I don't want it. I mean, I want it to be a blow up, but I also want it to be a good game. I kind of want it to be a little closed like it was, I think, four years ago. We played up in Seattle. That was a good game. Week, think, week one, 2019, that was a, one of the best games we played all season. We were the worst team in the league that year, yeah. yeah. But uh, if, I think if Joe has, if Joe's mobility and like how he looks, if he looks like he did last week, I think it'll be a closed game. But if if he looks like he did up against the Rams, like he did up against the, uh, the, the Browns, the Ravens, if he's like not able to move like that, then, you know, I think it'll be a blowout. But the whole thing is, like, if we 
want to really beat the Bengals, we have to get pressured. Like, we have to have those 11 sacks like we did up against the Giants. You have to have that kind of defense. I, I think if you guys muster at, at least th- three to five, I think you guys would be all right. But, but that's the th- like, other than the Giants can't beat, like, these past couple of years, we've had problems generating pressure. So that's my thing is if we can't get to Joe Burrow, he can just send that in the pocket because if he sends it in the pocket, you know, he's deadly. He's like Tom Brady back there. And, you know, he's just going to dial us up. But we have to get home. Um, when y'all run the ball, we got to continue to be one of the top 10, top five best NFL defenses up against the run. Um, you know. Does G- G- does Geno Smith, because the Bengals defense, which they've not been as good as they've been in previous uh, last season, at least starting out, uh, they're, they got in, the inability to stop the run. Um, the soft zone gets them in trouble. But the thing that if you're Seattle, you have to worry about is their ability to get after the quarterback. They racked up. They've racked up some sacks against the likes of Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Week one, they did a good job getting after their uh, Josh Dobbs last week, and did a sensational job getting after Matthew Stafford uh, week three, I believe it was on Monday night. On top of the fact is that when they bring pressure, they often are able to force turnovers, interceptions. As the Bengals pass rush, especially Trey Hendrickson, who I don't know if you guys know this, is is second, second in the league. In sacks, second in the league in sacks this year in the National Football League. Does he specifically in the Bengals' pass rush concern you at all? In the Bengals, you know, ability, albeit they give up a lot of yards, uh, their ability to force turnovers. Does that concern you at all with Geno Smith and the crew? Um, I'm gonna say no. I mean, maybe if it's with Russell Wilson, I would say yeah. But I think Geno is smart enough and has enough football IQ where if pressure is getting to him, he, I mean, whether I don't like this a whole lot of times because, like, he'll take the deep shot, but he will take the dump off to Noah Fant, Will Disley, Kenneth Walker, Charbonnet, and take that in the flat. So I don't think that really um, gets to me. It's just Gino cannot stand still. He has to, if he feels something, even if, if even if there's nothing there, but he still feels something, you have, you have to move. You can't just be a standard statue in the pocket. Um, I think... I mainly our goal, a game plan was I don't think you'll see a whole lot of Gino. I mean, you know, he's even though we had a bye week, he was still injured. He was still um, that knee was still affecting him from the Giants from Monday Night Football. I think we'll, because y'all sucked so much against the run because y'all like one of the worst teams they have against the run. I think Charbonnet and Walker will have a huge game, but I think honestly towards the second half we'll probably start airing it out. But I say probably by halftime, Gino will probably complete maybe like ten to twelve passes and. Kenneth Walker probably have at least 15 rushing attempts. I think it would be a very run-side-heavy game from Seattle. Say, for example, um, the Seahawks, for whatever the reason, they fall into 14-17-0 hole early. And they're in a position where they really, even though running the football will probably be their best method of beating the Cincinnati Bengals defense, say they fall into a 14-17-0 hole early in the first quarter. And they're in a position where they got to throw the ball in Geno for whatever the reason why it's his near. He's just having a bad passing day. He's got to throw the ball and it snowballs out of, in a, you know, w- would you be concerned if the Bengals put the, put the Seahawks in a position where they had to have Geno Smith beat them at least to bring them back into the game if they were to fall behind early? Um, would I be concerned like if Geno was just passing the ball? Just, 
question? Yeah, like it, like you guys are have to be, like to the point where you guys have to negate the run because you guys have to make up for lost drives and got to put the ball. No, in the I, I don't think that worries us. I think again, if our tackles and our offensive line can do what we did up against the Giants and Carolina, was Carolina, where like it was like we didn't have that much pressure. Maybe a couple sacks, but that's normal. If we just can limit to at least two to three sacks, I think we'll be fine. Because if Geno got time and everything, Ty Lockett's going to do his thing. DK, DK Metcalf's going to do his thing. And hopefully we can get JSN in the mix. Uh, that's one. We got him in the second round, I think. First, second round. I can't remember which one. At Ohio State. Yet to see him have a big game. But I know we have, we have some dogs on offense where uh, they can make a huge impact. It don't just have to be DK or Ty Lockett. I know we got no offense. And everything else, but if, G- if Gino is starting to struggle, you know, um, would I want Drew Locke in the game? No, not at all. But I mean, it's I feel like we're kind of in the San Francisco kind of um, situation where it's like we kind of plug and put our quarterback anywhere because I think offensively we have so much weapons. We're just so good offensively. Where, like, you don't have to be a superstar. You just have to, you know, manage the game. We can come right back and everything. But I, I think, I, I do believe, I'm not just saying this kind of see what I'm saying, but I think it's, it'll be a blowout. I mean, just, I mean, beating the Cardinals is cool, but it's, like, uh, not really giving me anything. Uh, you beat the Rams. That's, I mean, even though we didn't, but, I mean, hey. I mean, I mean it's any given Sunday, but. Do I think this will be a close game? No. I mean, it also depends on Joe Burrow. Because I feel like we get after him a couple times. Hey, we can get after him. Now, especially having Jamal Adams back, too. I don't know I don't know defensively how that's going to line up. Uh, me, personally. I like when... Uh, honestly, I kind of like it when we didn't have Jamal. Like, when you have Witherspoon and the Nickel. We have Willen outside. I just... I just feel like if we blitz... Uh, I've noticed, like, when we blitz a lot... Uh, now you swaps come open plays. Now you just... guys got a lot of guys on your line. You got a lot of guys on your line, and you got some guys in your secondary that's questionable. You got Kobe Bryant and that's not Artie Bur- uh, Kobe shit. Kobe Bryant and Artie Burns questionable week six did not practice on Thursday. You have um uh who else? Dwayne Eskridge suspended till week seven. Out of the offense. Uh, Brooks, your linebacker, didn't practice Thursday with a knee injury. Um, who else? Metcalf with his ribs, didn't practice. You, you got a lot. You got Lucas, uh, who's not supposed to be back for another week on your offensive line, your tackle. You also have your two guards. One was limited, Haynes, with a calf injury, who's questionable. And then Lewis, with an ankle, who did not practice yesterday, uh, questionable. He's another one of your guards. So you factor that in with the Bengals' defensive pass. Does the does the fact that your team's a little bit banged up does that concern you at all? Now, granted, on Cincinnati's side, they have Chidobie Awuzie on uh, the Bengals' lead corner. He uh, was limited in practice yesterday with a back injury. He didn't practice, and uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, our linebacker, he did not practice on Thursday as well. T. Higgins limited with ribs. So does does the injury department uh, for the fact that you guys got more guys on the injury report this week scare you if you're the Seattle Seahawks? Um, I mean, you name Artie Burns, Kobe Bryant. I, I really don't care. I mean, I've seen them play in the secondary. Uh, frankly, it's disgusting to watch them play. Disgusting to watch them cover uh, wide receivers. They do a terrible job. 
as long as we got Witherspoon and Willen, I'm cool. Uh, Julian Love, you know, he's obviously going to be bumped down from the um, safety position because, you know, you got Jamal Adams back there. So he'll go in between. I think he will, he will do good going in between safety and cornerback. Um, I mean, obviously the line is going to be beat up for a little bit. Um, Lewis, I don't really prefer him. He holds a lot. No. I mean, and DK being injured, um, I just think DK injury isn't serious, but I think he's just, he's not going to risk it all for practice if he can be 100% on uh, game day. And I think you'll probably see him practice maybe today or probably go through walkthroughs but be limited. But I, I think he'll be game time ready. But DK is the only one who really worries me through that. Even if we're out, out of, even if we're out, if, even if DK is out, I do trust JSN to hopefully fill in that role. Um, and injuries really don't scare me because I feel like right now we're more of a complete team than we were last year, and more than a complete team you are this year. Um, yeah, injuries really don't Any, scare me. Anything about Cincinnati on on either side of the ball that make that keeps you nervous? Uh, Chase, I think if we can bottle up Chase, then I think we'll be good. But Chase has is, if Chase has a good game, Higgins can. I don't know if he's is he healthy. He's uh, he was limited in practice with a rib injury. He's got fractured ribs. But uh, and you know that's that's a dangerous wide receiver core. I, I think both of these teams have great wide receiver cores when healthy. Uh, you got Higgins, Boyd, and Chase. You got DK, JSN, and Ty Lockett. Two great. Uh, trios, but I mean, only takes one or two of them to get hot, and your offense can go right through there. So I think my main problem is uh, the passing game, because I think we can contain mixing, we can contain the run, but we have to um, get Joe outside the pocket. And I know once he goes outside the pocket, he's gonna become uncomfortable, and he's not gonna be able to make those those that he's able to. Well, no, the thing about Joe is that keeping him inside the pocket. Cause he he get because one of his best strengths is his ability to extend plays and roll out the pocket and buy his receivers time and either he'll either step up and he'll launch a ball sixty yards downfield or he'll step up and run if he sees that there that there's no that there's no uh, linebacker spy so really the thing with 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 Burrow actually is keeping him inside the pocket you know and uh, especially with your with your tackles on the outside you can take advantage of Jonah Williams on the right. And then uh, Bully Orlando Brown on the left side. The thing about Burrow is that you want to have pressure on the outside to, you know, to to basically create a human sandwich where he has nowhere else to where he has nowhere else to go. He can't he can't roll out of the he can't roll out of the pocket, you know. And he's you know and and he's going to you know he has no way to move. He's stuck in quicksand. Rather than if you have no pressure on him at all, or he's got pressure through the guards, he can e- he can easily roll to his left. He can roll to his right. He can he can move, drop back further and further in the pocket. So the thing actually is the opposite: is you want to keep Joe Burrow in the pocket because now he's a great pocket quarterback, but you want to pressurize him to where he's in the pocket and he has nowhere else to move. Where his throws seem, seem rushed, seem throw, or excuse me, seem rushed and hurried. Where you know maybe his vantage point is is thrown off. You get him outside the pocket. That's actually where Joe Burrow can hurt you because he can extend plays and he can direct his receivers across downfield, upfield. You know this, that, and third things along those uh, items along those lines. So actually, you know you want to actually you want to keep Burrow in the pocket, pressured in the pocket. 
because if you pressure him, move him out of the pocket, he can kind of, he, you know, he can he can kill you because because especially now because he wants to show himself, show the team, show the football world that his calf is is uh, is is back to normal. So if you do that, you'll actually give him more reason, more motivation for him to show for him to show off uh, the fact that that his legs are strong, that he's still, and that that uh, that calf injury uh, worries and concerns of him are a thing of the past. So, and actually, with uh, and as I say that with since with uh, with your Seahawks, uh, what's your expectation heading into the season with them? You're heading into the season. You thought. That the Seahawks were going to, because I talked to this man and he said honestly, win a division. Now, you got to get through San Francisco in order to do that. Now, with San Francisco, essentially looks like they're not, they're probably going to go zero seventeen the way that they're looking. Is your expectation for the Seahawks to seventeen and zero? Seventeen and zero, yeah, that's what they're looking. Like. Do you think uh, because because he, seventeen and zero? I said only seventeen and seventeen and zero because it sure as hell looks like they're going to beat the piss out of us in two weeks, uh, which is so important. Why I need this game this week. Um, now, granted, the irony is is that the Bengals two wins they have on the season is against the NFC West. Um, but so is, what's your expectation for the Seahawks? Is it division? Is it division? And then get into the playoffs, see what happens. Or are you crazy enough to think, oh yeah, the Bengals, or excuse me, the Seahawks can actually be a dark horse Super Bowl contender. You know me, uh, you may call it bias, but I think we are a dark horse. Um, if we had the same team as last year, then I'd say, yeah, uh, San Fran's got it. But I, I, I look at us on paper and I think we match up. Well, with San Fran, and I'm seeing a lot of 2012, 2013, 2014 Seahawks versus 49ers. I think we're both evenly matched. Um, defense has definitely gotten better. Us getting uh, Witherspoon helps, especially with Debo and Ayuk and, 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 and Kittle and Bobby Wagner helps and everything else. I think when you look back to the uh, to the playoff game that we had earlier, I think the problem was we, we had to hold them. We had to capitalize on turnovers. We really weren't creating turnovers. We have to start creating turnovers. Um, i say the biggest stretch for us and the 49ers, we'll go, I'll go 49ers first. Uh, biggest stretch for them is when that three-week period for both of us. It's November 23rd, December 3rd, December 10th. Seattle and 49ers played December, uh, November 23rd. Christmas, or excuse me, Thanksgiving night. Yeah, yeah. and then December 3rd, San Fran plays the Eagles. We play the Cowboys. Then we play each other again the week after. So it's that, it's that three-week stretch is whoever's going to win the division. If we can continue to win, and we only that and week one is our only loss up until November 23rd, then we got a division. But we, we cannot fall behind, and they have to make a mistake first. We can't. That's why we won was so crucial because it, it it was a must win game and it's a game we should have won up against the uh, Rams. I I don't know what happened, but you know I think people thought hey, it's the Rams like they're not they don't pose no threat right now so and take it seriously. But we we had to play perfect football. I hate playing football like this, but I think that there still is a chance we can win the division because. Hey, if we can sit the 49ers, or if we can at least steal one and they lose to the Eagles, and maybe they lose that last game to the Rams January 7th and they lose to the Ravens, then, hey, we gotta we can win the division. But we have to be on our P's and Q's. We can't be messing up. We can't turn over football like that. We we have to play perfect football. But I, I do think we can make the, um, make the Super Bowl. I, I do believe that. Um, other than the 49ers, the Eagles... You know they they have their weakness, 
They do. Uh, I, I, other than the 49ers and Eagles, no one really is a threat to me in the NFC. Uh, Lions are cool, but I don't really look at them as a problem. <laughs> you know, because I know I know who number sixteen is back there. It's Jared Goff. It's- hey, Jared Goff has resurrected his career now. Don't don't don't. Now listen. Now those of y'all that's listen to me, listen to me for the last five years. No, there is no. There was no bigger critic on this show, and no bigger critic of Jared Goff in the podcast sports lance in the sports podcast landscape than me. But I, but I got to give Jared Goff his, yeah, I got to give Jared Goff his flowers now. And Jared Goff also was the same quarterback that you, that took you guys in overtime and dropped thirty plus points on your defense. Did we forget about that? Who who won now? Yeah, I understand who won. Who won. I understand who, who won. won. I'm still saying Jared, Jared Goff is not the is not the slouch. You know that uh, he's 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 not the same. He's not the slouch that he was made fun of for years. You know back. In his days of uh, you know as a Los Angeles Ram when uh, when McVeigh you know threw him out the pasture. I mean, look at Ger- Jared Goff's numbers this season. He's got a sixty nine percent completion percentage, uh, almost at a full seventy. Uh, he's damn near completing seventy percent of his passes. He's thrown for over two hundred two excuse me twelve hundred yards. He's got nine touchdown passes and he has uh, three interceptions. That's pretty damn good, is it not? I know who he is, and find all you want. But come playoff time, he gonna crumble. He did get to a Super Bowl, in in, in all fairness. Uh, okay, he did, he you, did, you really he, trying to make me mad right now? He, he did. Really I, he did right outduel now. Drew Brees in the championship game on the road. He did. He did. What the what the PI call that wasn't. Called. I understand. I understand, the, the but he play, but he still played well up until okay. that missed PI right. calls. Todd Gurley was the best running back in the league. I don't again like well, Ty, it, well, you, no, hold no, on because no, 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 we're not doing this right now. Every time the only every time you talk about the 49ers or the Rams making the Super Bowl or something like they had a great run run attack. Same thing to 49ers like. I can go back there, put on a helmet, shoulder pads, and give the ball off to Todd Gurley, CMC, 15 to, to 25 times, so we can make the Super Bowl. Or we can go deep in the playoffs. It's not them. It's the running backs that they had. Todd Gurley was the best running back in the league. Okay, so what is it? Okay, so what's, what's, your thing? what's, t- what's the thing with Jared Goff now with, with the Lions? Has he not played well? He's played good. I'm, I'm not saying, but I'm not saying he's a threat. So on paper, who'd you rather have? You rather have the the Seahawks or the, or the Lions on paper? Who else they got on that defense other than Aiden Hutchinson? Who else? They got uh, what's his face? Uh, C.J. Garner Johnson. He's a, he's a good secondary player. He is. What are he doing in the Super Bowl? So, so, you, so you're not high on the Lions is what I'm getting I'm, at. Never have been. This is fluff. Y'all just like to... Fluff? Y'all like to ride these teams and then... Uh, what then, do you mean ride these teams? And like, like, oh, the Lions on paper. Uh, like all these teams that that are... That, they're not terrible, but y'all giving them like one more hype than you're supposed to. But but a team like Seattle... And well, are the Lions not the third best team in the NFC? No. Who is us? What are you talking about? Are you are you smoking? 
I'm not gonna tell you what order. He told he told he told y'all that he was biased. Go ahead. I didn't see you telling me the Lions are the third best team in the NFC. Yes. They're yeah. How would it so they're better than us? How? Well, look at who the Lions have beaten this year. That's you know what? That's a gr- that's a great thing to say. Let let's look at who they've beaten. Let's look. Okay. They've beaten they beat you guys or no? Uh, no, me, uh, they, they yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's what I spoke. They lost. <laughs> that's what. No, 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 no. Let, let me let me read it off, cause cause uh, I got them, ladies and gentlemen. I got them. Okay, first game, the Chiefs. Okay, they beat the defending champs. First game of the season. They beat the Falcons. Like, oh my gosh! They, and they beat the the stu- the stinking. The Falcons who in, who are in first place. The Falcons are not in first place. The Bucks are. What are you talking about? Okay, tied for first place. That, how are the buck? No, the the Bucks are in first place. They're not tied for anything. The Bucks are in first place. Bucks are three and one. Okay, they're in second place by a half a game. Then you beat the then you beat the week. then you beat Jordan Love and the Packers and okay. then the then the hapless Panthers. You you didn't. Beat well, you guys beat the hapless Panthers. Okay, they are the third best. I, okay. I you may not want to admit it. Because you still hate Jared Goff because he's an ex-Ram, <laughs> but they the Lions are the, are the third best team in the NFC. Okay, compared you got, a, a compared to you guys, you guys pull lost up. to the Rams who are below five hundred. You beat the Lions. Okay, fine. The Panthers and the Giants stink. I mean, yeah, let's be let's be fair. The the Lions' body of work is a lot more impressive than, than the Detroit Lions. I just told you. You beat you you beat the Lions, which is fair. And hold on, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, time out, time out, time out, time out. You lost 30 to 13 home opener against the Rams. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. You're telling me that they, yes, quote unquote, they beat better teams, but when we matched up and we beat them, how are we not the better team? Hold time out, because that makes no sense. Time out, yo, time out. Because if you're playing all these other, if you're playing... Uh, uh, who, who the, the Packers uh, the, and the Falcons and the Panthers? Okay, and then we played um, the Panthers, Giants, and who else? The, the Panthers, Giants, the Lions, and the, and Lions. the Rams. Week one. But then when we when we match up for the for okay, if we want to call it the third best team in the NFC, and we matched up and we won, who's the third best team in the NFC? We are because you're making no sense. How am I making no sense? I told you that their body of work is more impressive. It doesn't matter, but when we face... Okay, it's one thing we didn't face up together. I got you, but when we face up together, and in week two... So your argument is that since you beat them week two... That's not my argument, but that's that's the, that's the proof of the pudding right there. You're not going to sit up there and tell me that I didn't just get a 90 on, so my, the, on my test. And when you only see one X mark, nine out of ten questions, I got right. So you're... Okay. So you, the Lions are the fourth best team then? Yeah. Okay. Now, if the Lions go ahead and they beat the Bucks and prove the five one, you guys lose to us. Aren't the Lions still the? Are the would, would your opinion on the Lions change at all? Okay, they're a little better, but it depends on it depends on the game now. Okay. All right, just making sure. But that's not going to happen because well, we're going to beat y'all, well, me, and then well, let me ask you. Mayfield is going to do his thing up against the Lions. So you th- so you really think that the Buccaneers are going to be? Well, explain I to told me, you the Buccaneers are going to win the explain, NFC South. I told. Well, no, I'm not the division. I'm talking about. Do, so do you really think that the Buccaneers are going to beat the Lions on Sunday? Yes. Tell the audience why. 
What has okay? So if you take this Buccaneers team from now to when they super when they won, when they won the Super Bowl, what is different? Explain explain that to me. Okay, the quarterback's yeah, yeah, different. Head coach is different. Okay, but y'all act like Baker is is Johnny Man's like Baker's not the best quarterback, but Baker's Baker's a pretty good dude. He's he's the he's the dude who almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs in what in twenty twenty. He should have beat him, but you know the rest had they're saying that. But why we acting like Baker is not that guy? Because Baker, Baker is that guy. I didn't realize I was debating with Skip Bayless. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not Skip. Y'all just like don't like to give Baker his credit, and I'm giving him his credit and his all due respect. Look he's at that. The, okay, he's Baker's thrown and all fairness, 882 pass yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. He's played well the first weeks of the season. Go ahead. And then you got. I don't, I think Mike Evans is healthy and everything, right? Yeah, Mike Evans is healthy. You got still got Chris Godwin and Lim- limited, limited in practice yesterday with a hamstring. Okay. Questionable week. But then you look at that defense. That defense, they still got Levante David, Devin White. You still got um uh uh Vito Vea. You still got uh what's that safety? You still got Shaq Barrett. What's that safety? Shaq Barrett's the linebacker. The no, safety yeah. thing is Neil. Is the safety no, thing about you free safety. safety? He's the the Super Bowl team. Antoine Winfield. I think yeah. he's gone. Oh, he is. I think he is. I mean, so you think that the Buccaneers have a chance to upset the the Detroit Lions? We can put money on him. We can put a case of Mountain Dew, some money. What you want to put on that? No, you're right. He still is with Tampa Bay. I apologize. What you want to put on that? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a betting man. Because no, I'm not a betting man. But I, but here's what I'm saying though. The Bucks are so bad that. Uh, Dead air does not make for good for good podcasting slash radio. Sorry, my, my fault. But um, so it's okay. So we got the so the Lions are the fourth best team according to you, not the third. You think the Buccaneers will upset the Lions? Yeah. And you think the Seahawks are gonna blow out the Bengals? Yeah. So if you guys won by the final score of twenty three to twenty, that would surprise you. A little bit, but a win's a win. I don't care how you get it done. You better win. I'm about to see a W up. And I scoreboard, but yeah. Okay. Right. Top five teams in NFC. And you guys, and you guys think you have a chance to win the division, which I think you're yeah. nuts. But you guys still but think I, you have I, a chance I was to win the division. I always want to say that, and then when we win the division, we're like, oh, I always had a feeling. Like, no, I'm not gonna say that. Now, now, do you know who I picked for my playoff teams? Are you made? Are you made aware? I think so. I'm, I'm pulling them up right now for you. I said Seahawks, eleven and six. 49ers, 12 and okay, 5. Okay, but that's what I want to talk about. What is the six games we're going to lose? Okay, so we play San Fran twice. We play the mm-hmm. Eagles. We're not losing to the... I guarantee we're not losing to the Cowboys. We're not losing to the Baltimore okay. Bums. Can I find you... I can find you five losses, okay? I can find you five. Here we go. Five. Here we go. First one on Sunday. That's that's your second loss. Okay. Oh, he's biased, yo. First of all, he's biased. Because ain't no... We, okay. Your first loss okay. is Sunday. Okay, right. You'll lose to the Ravens on the road week nine. That's oh, lost. my. That's lost number. That's lost number whoa, 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 whoa. Can I finish? No, 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 no. no, no yes, it's no, my show. No, hey, this is my show. I'm finishing this. Um, See, so Ravens is lost number three, okay? 49ers, 49ers, I say, I'll, do, I'll say you split. 49ers, that's four. The Eagles is five. And the... Mm, yeah, and what? Uh, that's still not six losses, but okay. Is it my turn? Can can I speak? Can I say something? It's six losses if you guys get swept by the Rams. It's six yeah, losses if not, you guys okay, if you guys lose to us, the Ravens, and the 49ers All twice. Right. There's your six right. losses. Can, right uh, can I speak? 
they're still the team that lost to the Steelers on this past Sunday. When I told you they were going to put up 10 or 13 points, they, every time they play the Seahawks, they put up 10 to 13 points. So I'm saying right now, are the Seahawks, are the Seahawks not better than the Steelers? They are. And, and so how, how do we lose to the Ravens? Because offensively, all we got to do is contain them more. Odell Beckham is probably going to be a uh, 50-50 already. He's probably going to be inactive. You got Zay Flowers. Okay, he's fast, but put, you know, 6'3", 210, Tariq Woolen on it. They like the same speed. Nelson Aguilar not catching nothing because he can't catch nothing when he's wide open. Mark Andrews. So, okay, so, you're saying, so your point is that the Seahawks are better than the Ravens. Yeah, so how, how are we going to lose? We're not losing to the Bengals. Okay, the only losses we probably have. Kids. We'll probably finish with like three or four. You losses. got the Eagles and you got the 49ers three twice. Three or four losses. We may, we may, we may. I hope we do not get swept by the 49ers, but it's possible. But I think we may lose to the Eagles. But I don't, I don't see us losing more than four games. Which, which was I, I you had, had five. You had five or six, but you had us at eleven and six. And I don't eleven and six. That's no. respectable. We need 13 and 4 at least. Well, you got to also consider the fact that you guys really should be undefeated. I, I understand had, that. Had, but you found a way to lose to the Rams, who stink. I understand that. But then San Fran go on that skid where like, they started off like 2 and 4 or something, and they won the rest of their games up until they got beat by the Eagles. It's not impossible. I just think Geno, Geno just needs to be a game manager. He, he, he cannot make stupid mistakes like he did last year and everything else. But. I think we have the talent offensively and defensively. We can we can get this done. If the defense continues to be hot and the offense can continue to put it on and Kenneth Walker can have an amazing season like he did last year, why why can't we go to the Super Bowl? Why can't we go deep in the playoffs? A Seahawks homer like no other. I mean, we got Bobby Wagner. I'm like, yo, that's a heart and soul of defense. He knows what it's like to win. Like he's a tackling machine. You got Jordan Brooks on the on the right or left of him. So do you guys? So you guys know that you have to when you if you were to make the playoffs, as a wild card. Like so it's safe for you guys. Say conversation. You guys get the fifth seed, meaning that you would have to. Okay, first round playoff game, you'd go play the NFC South winner, but to get to the to get to the Super Bowl, most likely you'd have to beat. Either or, no matter what order, you'd have to pl- you'd have to beat the Eagles and the 49ers on the road to get to the Super Bowl. It's not hard, considering the fact that you've that for the 49ers would be your third time playing them, and the Eagles would be your second time. And that's more of a reason why we should win. We take them, especially with the 49ers, to take our mistakes, take what we did wrong, and we and we fix it. That's another thing. I feel like it was so close last year in the wild card was like I feel like for the first half we did what we were supposed to do. We took the mistakes that we made and we and we chased them and then in the second half we forgot how to play football. But if we if, if both of those games if say we lose to both of those teams and we lose three of them or two of them and we and we take the time during the playoffs and we really learn what we did wrong and we, and we fix it, there's no reason or no way how we can't Go to Super Bowl. He loves the Seahawks. He loves the Seahawks. All right, you're done. You, I'm you, done. Yes, you're done. I'm done. Yes, you're I done. You don't talk a little baseball. You don't want to talk no baseball. Well, you, I would, but I mean, you've barely watched any Orioles games this year, and I and I can probably count on 
one solo hand because you didn't see any of game two. You didn't watch game one. You worked or whatever. No, no. Game one, you were bouncing around uh, putting ink on your skin. Chill, game chill, one. Chill, and chill. game three. You you just the ink. And get, no, I'm not. No, I don't. I got enough pigmentation. I don't need any. I don't need any uh, any uh, artificial LeBron pigmentation. I could give a damn what LeBron has. You think I care? LeBron also has billions of dollars. That I wish I did have, but I don't. Um, and you didn't watch game three. I don't know. You know, you were I watched game watching. I watched uh, game one. How'd you watch game one? I was in a tattoo shop. And then when I came home, I watched the rest of it. What inning? I watched the whole, the only thing I missed was like maybe the fifth or sixth inning. I'm so you game. came home in the seventh? Yeah. And what about innings one through four? I watched at the tattoo shop. Okay, so you saw one game and you didn't see game three because you were watching the Boondocks or Snowfall, whatever of them shows that you like to watch. But what, what did they do in the third game? They went to bed in the first three innings. It looks like oh, I, yeah, they did. I chose wisely. They did, and I shut the game off as soon as Garcia hit the home run. Yeah. yeah you know what team has 27 championships and what that could never happen to? Well, the Yankees, the Yankees, actually, because they actually got swept by the Astros in the ALCS. Mm. We haven't been to the ALCS since when? Ian has not. When's the last time we went to the ALCS? It was nine years ago. Oh, that's, that's crazy. So what? I mean, I can't, I can't. Because if I get into a baseball discussion with him, Yankees, he's going to drive Yankees me crazy. Can't say this because thing. he's, A, he's not a Yankee fan. He's a fraud. He, so he, buys, he buys the Yankee. He would know, he would not know, he wouldn't know Mickey Mantle from uh, Babe Ruth, from yes, Lou Gehrig yes, to Joe DiMaggio. He yes, knows nothing about the Yankees. I mean, I 27 championships, big deal. A-Rod, Derek Jeter, Mark Teixeira, Brett Gardner, Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury stunk as a Yankee. George, uh, Jorge Posada, Nick Swisher, uh, CC Sabathia, Mariano Rivera. Who was the okay? Who was the who was the manager for the old nine championship Joe Girardi. team? Okay, who was? Yeah. Um, all right, who I'm was? Speaking facts now. Well, who? Well, how far did they go in the year you were born, two thousand four? Uh, didn't they lose the ALDS? No. They lost the ALCS. To who? To the Boston Red Sox. And what was so special about them losing that series? Um. <laughs> They shouldn't want it. Like, well, how would I know? I was. They born had, a they had a 3-0 series lead yeah, and see, they blew it. Like they put a going And who did they beat last year in the postseason? Who? The Yankees. No, the New York Mets. See, that's a good baseball team right there. Who? The Yankees beat. Um, they didn't go to. They didn't go to playoffs last year. The year before you were born, 20 oh, years ago in I, 03. You said last year. Like, the, I said, like, no, I said the year before no, 04. Don't no, get funny. No, you said last year. In 2003, That's where did the said. Yankees end up? Uh, the ALDS. No! The World Series. Then lost to who? The Diamondbacks. Wrong! That was 2001 and 2003. They <laughs> lost to the Florida Marlins. Oh, who did they, who did they beat in the ALCS? <laughs> Uh, they beat, uh, hold on, I got this, the, um, the Rangers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they lost to the Red Sox. Who hit the walk-off home run to send them to the World Series? Kevin Millar. <laughs> no, seriously, give me a real answer. <laughs> Was it Manny Ramirez or something? David Ortiz? One of, one of Who those. hit 
I'm talking about a Yankee that hit oh, a walk-off. Aaron Boone. That's who it was, right? Oh, my yeah. God. And who did he hit it off of? I don't know. I'm not a dictionary like you. I just know the important stuff. 27 championships. Who did he hit it off of? Uh, 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 um, let's see. Uh, he Pedro just, Martinez. No, he just passed away. Uh, Luke Good Gary. guess, Pedro Martinez. Luke but no. Gary. <laughs> I'm Charlie. I'm Josh. Uh, he just passed away. Um, is that one arm guy, Jim Abbott? Is no. A, he pitched for the Yankees, and that was back in the 80s and 90s. Go ahead. Um, I don't know. You tell me, Mr. Encyclopedia. Tim Wakefield. How many World Series have the Yankees been in since you've been born? Uh, One. Who did they beat in the 09 World Series? The Phillies. Who did they... See, I know my stuff. No, you don't. No, you yes, don't. I do. How, how, what was their playoff results the last five seasons? Uh, they went to the um. So last, so this year they missed the playoffs. Yeah, last, last year. Last year, um, they, they missed the playoffs. No, no, what the wild card? I just told you. What they went? They to got the, swept they by the Astros in the ALCS. Pay attention. <laughs> I'm paying attention. 2009, 2020, no, 2021. How far did they go? Huh? Uh, they went to the ALDS. No. They went to ALCS. And lost to who? They lost to um. Let's see who they lose to. Hold on, no, 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 don't, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Um. Oh my God. They lost to um. It's not a hard question. I uh, know, I know. Um, Astros? Yeah. Yeah, let's go. The year before, who did they lose to? The, the, Col- the COVID year. No! <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs that year, did they? In 2020. Yeah, they didn't make the playoffs. Yes, they did. Oh, they lost to um, uh, the Rangers. No, they lost to Tampa. They lost to Tampa. 19. So you so you're one for two. One for three, actually. Hey, that's 33%, right? In, in, in 2019, who'd they lose to? How far did they get? They go into the AOCS. And lost to who? The Astros. And who hit the walk off home run? Jose Altuve. Off of who? Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Chapman. Oh my gosh. 18. You see, so you got see, one. See, I right got it change. right. Let's go. 2018. I'm out, I'm out ladies and gentlemen. No, no, it's no, been a pleasure. No, no, no. It's been a pleasure. No, no. I thought you. 2018. Yo, yo, did, did he say you didn't want to talk? Didn't 2018. Talk? No, we're keeping this going. 2018. No, no, no. You said you didn't want to talk. 2018. Who they lose to? Thank you for having me, ladies and gentlemen. Who they I'm lose out. to 2018? Bye. I don't know. The Boston Red Sox. In oh, yeah, what round? Uh, 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 ALDS. 17. Who they lose to? Uh,. Um, Astros. And how many games? Four. Seven. I knew it. I told you. I know. The year before, who they lose to? The Orioles. Wrong. They didn't make the playoffs in 2016. See, that's exactly what I wanted you to say because they suck. 27 championships, baby. He is a fraudulent, fraudulent, fraudulent Seahawks fan, or Seahawks? No, not Seahawks. He is a fraudulent, fraudulent. 
quote unquote, he's a he's not a Yankee fan. He's an Oriole fan, and he lost interest with the team when the team went to shit in 2017 and 2018. He buys the dopey Yankee hat and he parades around because, and it's one of the more annoying traits that uh, me as a diehard sports fan, diehard baseball fan has with my uh, black brethren is that we buy the cap of a we buy the cap of a team because it looks good with the stupid color scheme and the colors. Yet we so we'll walk we'll walk around with a with a Toronto Blue Jay hat and not know Vladdy Jr. from uh, from Joe Carter. We'll buy a Yankee hat and not know Giancarlo Stanton from Alex Rodriguez. We'll buy a uh, St. Louis Cardinal hat and we won't know Paul Goldschmidt from Nolan Arenado. I mean, it's one of the more annoying traits that he has. And my brother, unfortunately, falls into that category. Well, he'll buy the hat, it seems, just because it looks good as a social statement. And then when I throw it in his face, he'll bring me Jay-Z coincidentally forgetting the fact that Jay-Z is a native New Yorker and a native Yankee fan that actually shows up the Yankee games and, uh, you know, buys the Yankee tickets and actually sung Empire State of Mind when the Yankees won the championship 2009. He has never been to Yankee Stadium. He probably doesn't even remember the last time he went to a baseball game, let alone a game with the New York Yankees playing. He is an Oriole fan. And he knows nothing about the Yankees outside of the 27 championships. And if, and he can rename some players on an 09 championship roster. Whoop the damn do. He is not a Yankee fan. He is a Oriole fan. Yet he likes to hide behind the Yankees because it's cool and it's hip and it's popular. And if he knew anything about the Yankees, he knew that the Yankees are, at least within the last five years, are no better than the Baltimore Orioles are. Because the Orioles, like the Yankees in years past, have these tremendous regular seasons, win a division, uh, 100 games, 100 wins even, uh, I should say, and they fall flat on their face and they get bitch slapped, excuse the expression, by uh, inferior AL West teams come postseason time and are non-competitive. They don't hit with normal scoring position. The pitching is a mess. The bullpen implodes. So basically, the Yankees are a rich man's version of Baltimore Orioles because outside of the Orioles being the worst team to sport in 2018, 19, and 2021, you wouldn't know any better if because the Orioles and the Yankees are basically the same team. Just one team has a has a far less payroll than the other, and one team has a plays in a far nicer ballpark than the other. If you didn't know any better, they'd be the same team. Anyway, and he thinks that some he thinks that the Seahawks we're gonna blow out the Bengals, which uh, which would not shock me. But the fact that he's saying it with such conviction, considering that the Seahawks are known to you know lose games they're supposed to win, a la Week One at home against the Rams, uh, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, who what? Uh, but yeah, so there you go. So there's my brother giving his uh, commentary with all things uh, Seattle Seahawks, excuse me, Detroit Lions and 49ers and things of that nature. Well, it is about that time. It is uh, another week in the National Football League. Uh, week six in the league. Uh, let me give you a couple things before I get it. give you the uh, picks against the spread. First off, Jerry Judy's got a lot of nerve and a lot of chutzpah to... Uh, well, no, let me actually preview the other games. I, I apologize. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so you get, so you heard Seahawks, Bengals, uh, 49ers and Browns. There will be no Deshaun Watson hanging, heading into this game, even though he's medically cleared to play. The reason why Watson has, is sitting uh, this game, I have, I have absolutely no idea. 
Um, so, I mean, I, he's medically cleared to play, yet he's not playing. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, the, the division is still, rel- is still very much up for grabs, and he's not playing in the game, which, uh, which I find uh, very odd and peculiar. But the 49ers obviously coming off of that, ex- that humiliating ass kicking that they laid on the Dallas Cowboys last week, and they have a chance. I mean, again, and I said it with my brother, I said it again. I mean, the 49ers literally have a chance to go 17-0, and uh, and it'd just be another one of those boring snooze-fest games between them and the, uh, and the, Sanf- excuse me, and the Cleveland Browns, uh, and the Cleveland Browns coming up this Sunday, because you got no Deshaun Watson, obviously, no uh, Nick Chubb, obviously, who's gone for the rest of the season. Very interesting. I mean, to see if the if the uh, if the Fortnite's can put up a fight. I understand they got Miles Garrett and a very good uh, defensive pass rush, but um, things are not looking uh, very promising right now for the uh, Cleveland Browns heading into this game on Sunday. And I think that the uh, and I think that the Forty ers are going to be en route to another uh, to another blowout victory for them coming up. Uh, in the mistake by the lake over in Lake Erie in northern central uh, Ohio. Uh, and the Lions and the Bucks. I think my brother is nuts uh, thinking that the Bucks have a chance. I understand Baker Mayfield's played well this season, and I give him tremendous credit, and I give the team tremendous credit because they are certainly better uh, than uh, I anticipated heading into this season, and they've played well, and they are in first place among the top of the uh, NFC South, but... The Detroit Lions are a different animal. Jared Goff, one of his best seasons that he, uh, his, uh, his better seasons, you know, since he's left the Rams, uh, very underrated quarterback in terms of your hierarchy of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League here in this 2023 season. Their defense is stout. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, a tremendous young pass rusher uh, who's had a solid start to begin this season for him. And then offensively, one of the best offenses in all of football. Well-rounded. Uh, they're able to run the football to, uh, with uh, run the football with authority. Jared Goff is tremendous job he, he's done uh, with the passing game for the Lions. The Lions are going to be five and one by the time this uh, by the time we talk uh, coming up on Tuesday. It's game number three and game number four. Cowboys and four and the Cowboys and the Chargers. Uh, you know the Cowboys. Let me see. You know this is one of those games where the Cowboys have to not let, and by the way, if you're Micah Parsons, what the hell are you doing bumping your gums and giving the, and bumping your gums and, 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 and getting into a pissing match with George Kittle and the San Francisco 49ers? They kicked your ass fair and square, okay? It wasn't like that they, it wasn't like, uh, uh, it wasn't like that that they, you know, lost by a bad, they lost by a bad call, lost by a big goal. They got their asses kicked. And whether you like it or not, Micah, your starting quarterback is not as good as Brock Purdy. Uh, your defense is not as good as San Francisco's, and your offensive uh, and your offensive pieces are not as good as the Cowboys as the Cowboys' offensive playmakers. Uh, Tony Pollard's not as good as uh, as uh, Christian McCaffrey. Ayuk Samuel, um, take your pick, is, does not measure up to the likes of uh, of C.D. Lamb. Hendershot is not as good as a tight end as George Kittle, and it's just the way it is. So take your lumps, take your L, take your medicine, your humble pie, take it, swallow it, absorb it, learn from it, move on. But you get into a pissing match, 
you know, taking it personal and, and, and being so annoyed and bent out of shape because the, because San Francisco 49ers once again let it known that they're a better football team than you. I mean, I don't want to hear it. I mean, the, the time that you got to do your talking is out there on the field, not, not you know, on, on Twitch on Twitter, getting into these pitching matches, okay? The time for you to put up and shut up and, and to and to assert your dominance and to prove that you belong in the same class as the San Francisco 49ers was on the field on Sunday night, not 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 through the internet. Not through the internet. So I just, I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear it. I don't want to hear from Micah. I don't want to hear from Dak. I don't want to hear from anybody. McCarthy's not as good as an offensive mind, offensive play caller, or as or as good as a head coach as Kyle Shannon. You're just an inferior football team compared to San Francisco. And a chance for you to change everybody's minds on that was on Sunday night, and you guys failed to do so. Case closed, period, end of story. So I don't want to hear Micah's mouth, you know, none, none of that. Take your lumps and move on. You're not as good, you are not as good as San Francisco 49ers. I'm pretty sure it's easier for me to say rather than it is easier for him to say, but you're not as good. You're not as good. Never have, never have been as good. Never would not, not, never has currently are not. And the previous are not. And as far as I'm concerned, never going to be as good. You're not, you're not Lawrence Taylor. It's enough. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. So I just, and that's the thing that annoys me about the Cowboys. Just, I mean, it's the heightened sense of arrogance and cockiness that you come from that foot that comes from that football team and their fan base. I mean, please, it's just, I mean, it's just, 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 just stop him talking about laugh now, cry later, Michael. Really, you were nowhere to be found on the football field on Sunday night. Again, shut the hell up, take your L, learn from it, move on. Okay, and it starts with bouncing back against the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Uh, you guys are a better team than the that you guys have the better coach, and you guys are a better team. Now the Chargers have the better quarterback, but you guys are a better team than the Los Angeles Chargers are. Go out there, prime time. You'll have home field advantage with because the place will be packed to the brim with Cowboy fans at SoFi on Monday night. You'll have a home field advantage. Go out there, bounce back, and beat the Chargers. Because then also could get Dallas in trouble with this is if they allow this loss to linger, to fester, and to manifest itself within the within the mindset of the team and how they view themselves and and their outlook on the rest of the season and their season in and with an NFC that's a little more competitive than usual, where you may have two teams, may, not definite, but as of right now, you may have two teams coming out of the South. To go to the playoffs, you have the Seahawks, you have the Rams, possibly, and obviously San Francisco coming out of the West, and two teams coming out, and, and one team coming out of the East. One team coming out of the, I mean, come on. Don't don't play with your food. Go out there and beat the Chargers. I want you guys to stop, I want you guys stopping, I want you guys stopping to run. I want you guys getting after Justin Herbert, forcing uh, ill-advised throws, forcing uh, inter- forcing uh, the, uh, the, the, the turnovers. I need to see it. You guys know you guys know the Kellen Moore playbook better than anybody because you practiced against Adam Finitum for the last few seasons. I need to see the Dallas Cowboy defense go out there and hunt on 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 Monday night. Don't worry about what Debo Samuels and what uh, or Debo Samuel I should say. 
and uh, and, and George Kittle are saying, doing the F Dallas T-shirts, not interested. Go out there, put it behind you, flush the toilet, flush them on a Rolodex, and beat the piss out of the uh, and beat the piss out of the LA Chargers. And if you're the Chargers, coming off the bye week, had something to think about. Go out there and find a way to get it done against Dallas. They're down. You want to kick them while they're down. Get Dak Prescott to rush his throws, force turnovers, execute in the red zone. And for the love of God, no dumb coaching decisions. And, you know, fourth, fourth and one inside the arm, 25-yard line going for it, Brandon Stay. None of that, which I'm probably, you know, will have a moment during the game that will make me want to pull my damn hair out. But none of that. Smart foot, smart football helps you beat the Dallas Cowboys. All you got to do is just play smart, force stack to make mistakes, and you're going to win. But if you're the Cowboys, enough of your yap. Go out there and beat the Chargers. Enough. Enough. Week number six in the National Football League. Hard to believe we're already six weeks into the new season. Week six in the National Football League. It's about that time. Pick segment in the league where they play. Pepe. We get it started with game number one on the week six slate, or at least on the Sunday slate, that is. The Titans and the Ravens, 9.30 over in London. Titans licking their wounds uh, coming off of uh, coming off of their loss at the hands of the Indianapolis Colts last week. Um, meanwhile, the uh, Baltimore Ravens are coming off of just an atrocious loss. We were all over uh, earlier this week, losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers at home, or excuse me, on the road uh, up against Pittsburgh. The turnovers with Lamar Jackson, the seven drops, Harbaugh's piss poor uh, clock, ma- clock management at the end of the half. Uh, the whole enchilada. Both teams looking to get back on the winning track. Ravens at three and two. Titans at uh, two and three. Adolfe always listed as out for Baltimore. Are there other injury concerns? Are a go for week six? Uh, Traylon Brooks, Elijah Molden, uh, and uh, Luke Gifford are all listed as out for Tennessee this week. Uh, Armani Hooker and uh, is listed as questionable along with D. Tayer Tart, their defensive tackle, listed as questionable as well for the Titans. The Ravens are favored in this game in terms of point spread by four points. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to get the job done and win this game in London by the final score of 24-3. Moving things along with the Washington Commanders who are 2-3 and three and going up on the road in Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons 3-2. and two. Their favorite minus two and a half. The Falcons last time out uh, coming off of their victory at home last week. Meanwhile, the Washington Commanders licking their wounds from their uh, from their loss last Thursday night against the Chicago Bears at home. Washington needs this game to get back to 500 and to stay in the NFC wildcard race. Uh, in terms of the injury report for what there is no players listed on the injury report for Atlanta heading into this game. They have a Christian Holmes, their corner out for Washington. Uh, in terms of the point spread, like I said, the aforementioned Falcons favored minus two and a half. 
Give me the Atlanta Falcons to win this game by the final score of 21 to 17. The Indianapolis Colts, the aforementioned, coming off of their victory over the uh, Tennessee Titans at home last week, take on the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of a two-week trip over in London where they got to above 500, taking care of business against the Falcons and last week the Buffalo Bills, respectively. Jaguars' favorite minus four and a half. Indianapolis coming off of, like I said, their victory against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, take the you, you, As you check, excuse me, the injury report for both teams, you have uh, Anthony Richardson, who was placed on IR earlier this week, uh, Mo Alley-Cox and Kawiti Payne, Pay, whatever his name is, both listed as questionable for Indianapolis. Braden Smith, their tackle, listed as out for Indianapolis as well in the injury report. Zay Jones, Christian Braswell, Devin Lloyd and uh, uh, Walker Little all listed as questionable for the Jaguars heading into this game as the Jaguars return to the United States and return home for their Week 6 matchup against division rival Indianapolis, a place where Indianapolis has had trouble historically over the last few seasons. Jacksonville's favorite minus four points, giving the Jacksonville Jaguars to get the job done, winning this game by the final score of 24-20. As the Carolina Panthers head down to South Beach to take on the excuse me the Miami uh, Dolphins. Dolphins uh, getting right back on a winning track, beating the New York football Giants at home last week. Meanwhile, Carolina, st- the only winless team uh, uh, remaining in the National Football League this season, still looking for their first win, 0-5 thus far this season. Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Ian Thomas, all this that's questionable, Giovanni Ritchie, and a former Bengal Von Bell listed as out for Carolina. Meanwhile, the Miami Dolphins got Jalon Phillips, uh, Connor Williams, and Robert Hunt listed as questionable for the Dolphins. Unfortunately, Devon A. Chain, what a phenomenal first five weeks he's had, uh, part of that rushing attack for Miami. He is he was placed on IR on uh, Wednesday, which is a tough loss for the Miami. Uh, Dolphins heading into this game. The favorite minus 14 points. Give me the uh, Dolphins to win this game by the final score of 35 to 10. Moving things along as my Cincinnati Bengals play host to the aforementioned Seattle Seahawks. Bengals favored by field coming off of their second win of the season against the uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, last week. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, a tremendous game as we've discussed earlier this week. Seahawks coming off of a bye. Their last game of week number four. They got the job done on Monday Night Football by beating the piss out of the New York football Giants over in Jersey. Must win game for both teams. The Bengals to prove that they're back on track because they improved, looking to improve the 3-3 three and three at the 500 mark heading into the bye week in week seven. Seahawks coming off of the bye week looking to prove that they're for real going on the road to beat a uh, ferocious opponent in the Cincinnati Bengals to improve the 4-1 and one on the season and keep pace with the uh, San Francisco 49ers with among the best records in the NFC this season. Tough game to call, but give me the uh, Seattle Seahawks to win this game by the final score of 27-24. to 24. Moving thing, by the way, the injury report, in case you, uh, in case you uh, bother to care, you have T. Higgins, Shobay, Wuzier, Devin Harper, AADG, a- a- Akeem Davis, Gaither, all listed as questionable for Cincinnati. Kobe Bryant, DK Metcalf, uh, Jordan Brooks listed as questionable for Seattle heading into the game on Sunday afternoon. We shall continue with the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. The Bears 
getting their first win last Thursday night on the road with a tremendous uh, career banner night for uh, DJ Moore against the Washington Commanders last Thursday night. Meanwhile, Minnesota Vikings coming off of yet another uh, excuse me, Akeem Gaithis, Akeem Gaithis, Akeem Davis Gaither, excuse me, uh, as the Bengals just released their injury report is listed as out. But Harper, Higgins, uh, and Awuze are listed as questionable for uh, the Bengals. Uh, the only change is Akeem Davis Gaither listed as out for Cincinnati. Uh, beginning back to the Vikings and Bears game, Vikings dropped yet another one-score game at home to the Kansas City Chiefs last Sunday, and the Chicago Bears getting their first victory of the season on the road uh, in Landover, Maryland last Thursday night against the Washington Commanders. Minnesota's favored by a field goal. Give me the Vikings to win this game by the final score of 24-21. to we keep things moving with the San Francisco 49ers who are 5-0. Head on the road to take on the Cleveland Browns coming off of a bye week. And the uh, week before, uh, they and the week before for Cleveland, they uh, took the uh, loss on a chin at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens uh, with a 28-3 defeat. San Francisco 5-0 on the young season. Beat the piss out of the Dallas Cowboys last week as we discussed. Uh, they have Aaron Banks, Elijah Mitchell, Mitchell, excuse me, and Drake Greenlaw all listed as questionable for San Francisco. Meanwhile, the Browns, they have uh, Deshaun Watson, Joel, Joel uh, Bentonio, their guard, Cedric Tillman all listed as out. David Njoku listed as questionable for Cleveland. Giving the San Francisco 49ers to get the job done, win this game by the final score of 31-2-10. And the New Orleans Saints... Had on the road to take on the Houston Texans. The Texans, uh, what a uh, what a season that they've had. They are two and three on the year, and the Saints, coming off of their just complete domination clinic over Bill Belichick and New England Patriots up in Foxborough last week. Uh, the Texans taking the uh, three point L, twenty one to nineteen over. No, excuse me, the uh, two point L. I apologize over the uh, taking the two point L. Excuse me, at the hands of the uh, Atlanta Falcons last week, 21-19. Trying to get back on the winning ways as they return home to host the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you have Cam Jordan, uh, Andreas Pete, Landon Young, Jawan Johnson, Lonnie Johnson Jr. All this is questionable for the Saints. Lermy Tunsil, Robert Woods, Tank Dell, Christian Harris. This is questionable for the Houston Texans. Saints favored by two points. Tough game to call. But give me the Houston Texans to win this game in a nail-biter by the final score of 20-17. The New England Patriots head west to take on the Vegas Raiders. Raiders losing, uh, excuse me, getting the job done, I apologize, uh, at home against the uh, Green Bay Packers. On Monday Night Football earlier this week, Patriots, the aforementioned, uh, just getting a complete ass take, just taking a complete ass whooping at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. Last uh, week in Foxborough, uh, the rematch of that crazy, funky game uh, that ended with the Chandler Jones uh, scoop and score. The uh, Vegas Raiders are favored minus three points uh, up against uh, Belichick, uh, the student versus the master, and a matchup between Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, an unwatchable football game. Uh, Vegas coming off of their 17-13 victory over the Green Bay Packers. Give me the Vegas Raiders to find a way to win an ugly football game by the final score of 14-2. 
12th. The Detroit Lions taking on the Green Bay Packers, excuse me, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm reading TB and my brain said GB after this guy discussing uh, Green Bay. I apologize. Uh, the Detroit Lions, 4-1, second best record, or one of the best, no, the, yeah, the tied the second best record because the 49ers and the Eagles are both still undefeated. Uh, so technically the second best record in the NFC. They're four and one on the young season. Meanwhile, Tim Bay coming off of the bye week. They're three and one. Uh, the Detroit Lions are favored by a field goal. They are coming off of a victory. Uh, they are coming off of a victory last week for Detroit. Uh, as they look to improve the five and one to stay atop the NFC North. Give me the Detroit Lions to win this game by the final score of 31-21. As we shall continue with uh, the Cardinals and the Rams. Cardinals 1-4 took the L against my Cincinnati Bengals at home last week. Meanwhile, the Rams uh, trying to uh, bounce back and keep the uh, winning ways going for them. They are 2-3 and three and uh, trying to keep themselves within the playoff hunt in the NFC West. The Rams last time out. Uh, lost to Philadelphia 23-14 over in uh, over in SoFi last Sunday afternoon as they look to improve to 3-3 three and three and get to 500 on the season. I think they will. Rams favored by a touchdown. Give me the Rams to win this game by the final score of 31-17. Philadelphia Eagles 5-0 to take on the Jets who are 2-3 and three coming off of their win last week in the Hackettball over in Denver, Colorado. Philadelphia took care of business in the aforementioned victory over the L.A. Rams. Philadelphia is favored by six points. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game by the final score of 35-17. Buffalo plays host to the Giants coming off of their trip from London in which they took the L at the hands of Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they're 3-2. They're favored by 15 points. No Daniel Jones. In this game for the Giants, the Giants are completely injured to Helen back. Uh, so it should be a nice, easy blowout victory up in Orchard Park for the Buffalo Bills. Give me the Bills to win this game and drop 40 on the Giants' heads by the final score of 42-7. And finally, the Dallas Cowboys are two-point favorites coming off of uh, their Sunday night embarrassment in Santa Clara as they go to SoFi, head south down to L.A. to take on the L.A. Chargers who are coming off of their bye week. Cowboys favored by two points in this game. Give me the, the Dallas Cowboys to win this game by the final score of 27-2-23. And those are your week six picks against the spread. Well, that is your show and an episode of the Amatella Catalia's podcast in the books. If you like what you heard and new to the program, please don't hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and your Instagram threads at the J Shield. Talk to you guys to uh, recap uh, the opening games of the AL and NLCS and, of course, week six across the National Football League. Enjoy them both, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Be blessed. Stay safe. Happy 18th birthday on Thursday. Yesterday, happy 18th birthday to my beloved younger sister Zoe. Happy birthday to her. And I'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Be safe. Take care. Okay. So, 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 so.